0: Just get it. James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy, has redefined the superhero blockbuster again. What well, was that? No, that's a show-off. Unless what they're showing off. is dope as... That's true. The Suicide Squad is a relentless,
1: insanely
0: good time. Well, that's kind of our thing. It's a thrilling, fist-pumping masterwork.
1: Yes! I like hearing it,
0: that. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. Are you in or out?
1: Welcome back. It's me, one of your hosts, the host on your left. If you're looking at your radio dial, Ron Avis or the rental king, whichever you prefer. If you're going to address me as the rental king, I have to insist that you kiss the ring. Actually, that's that's more like, that, that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> but to get back on track with me is my co-host, the one who makes killing refugee freedom fighter from Corto Maltese look dope as fuck. The man to the north, Adam Peterson. Say hello, Adam.
0: No one likes to show off. <laughs> fuck. I was, doing, I was doing... I was <laughs> doing... I would... Uh, regardless of the plot lines, I would defer to your peacemaker. Because I think... I think you would probably kill people with far more flair than I would. And oh, you would yeah? Look, and you would look to Opus fuck doing it.
1: <laughs> I just love the peacemaker in this. John Cena was so enjoyable in this movie. And I, kn- I kind of knew he would because for all of his um, shortcomings in the action genre – he hasn't sort of taken off, although it did take The Rock a little bit to really, truly take off, too. So you don't want to give up on him, but he, he really thrives in a comedic stage. He He's really, really funny. From the moment he, I noticed him uh, in the train wreck with Amy Schumer, where he played like her bi-curious, like m- boyfriend or whatever, who has a grinder account. Uh, he he was hilarious at that, and I was just like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Like I recognize him. He's not wearing like jean shorts and uh, a, a t shirt with his face on it, but I do recognize
0: him. Well, I'm but, yeah. I'm not I'm not a wrestling aficionado by any stretch of the imagination. But the reason you may have been unfamiliar, I believe, is because he's invisible. Right, that's his thing. He does his little hand oh, yeah. in front of the face, <laughs> and you can't see him. And that's oh, my, is that what that is? I think, is that what that means? I think that's what that's supposed to be. That's what I've been led okay. to believe, but uh, okay, like I said, I'm not an aficionado, so I I, I could be mistaken. If we have any wrestling pop- fans in Vietnam oh, that are listening, that give us a call, well, yeah, call us right now. One eight hundred. Call us on the hotline.
1: <laughs> he just pops up too. I, I was watching uh, Parks and Rec. It was on Comedy Central. Just sort of watching it while I was you know doing the floors. And uh, he showed up on the Johnny Karate, like, yes uh, finale episode or whatever. (laughs) And he just comes in. He's like, I was led to believe that you were, like, maybe 10. (laughs) He's like, whatever, whatever. (laughs) He sort of reminded me of the uh, Captain Insano bit from Waterboy.
0: (laughs) Captain Insano shows no mercy.
1: (laughs) I can't tell you, man. I'm like, I'm really kind of tickled that we're talking about the
0: Suicide Squad. We fu- we came episode. through. We told people that's what we're going to do <laughs> and by golly we're doing it.
1: Give the people what they want exactly uh, what they what they what they deserve. I mean we're you know we're, we're, we're giving you what you hopefully wanted and I'm sure we may get some people who click on this episode uh, to see what we think of the Suicide Squad the 2021 one that just came out. Yes. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, I bet you like you know a lot of people who notice our catalog of episodes like we we, 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 we kind of hang around in the the nostalgia into the pool. We don't do a whole lot of modern movies honestly we, we have done a few yes um, but I you you know it makes me laugh you you had posted or tweeted or something the other day because you had seen the new ryan reynolds free guy yes and you had declared that you were calling it your two favorite movies of 2021 were free guy and afterlife yep the new Ghostbusters movie. Which is even out like, yet. Haven't even seen right. it. I was like, well, that's pretty funny. You're just going to go ahead and call it. I'm calling it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I really don't think. I it, I doubt it's going to be everything in my mind I've built it up to be. But I think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah. You know, I don't I, think they're going to pull the rug out from underneath of all of us. Every, Especially
0: second. with the last trailer drop. Where I mean, yeah. like, oh. in, in the middle where it's, it's kind of going back and forth between the clips from their original commercial. From the 1984 mm-hmm. that I just rewatched yeah. the other day, and the oh, way man. that the music builds in the middle, and it just it, every time I watch it, it does it gives me goosebumps. And then at the that's end- an amazing
1: score. The way like that, they're really just doing. They're hitting all the right notes.
0: Oh, they. The I mean, notes. they absolutely are. And then to close it out with. You get Ray stance picking up the phone. Ray's a cult, yeah. And you're just I mean, like, I assume that's Ray's a cult. Oh yeah, it and and if you one of the things that uh, Jason Reitman did in the trailer breakdown is if you're paying close attention, the uh, um, tattoo on the other arm of of Ray is Revelation. I think it's Revelation twelve thirty seven or whatever the the Bible reference. Which he was, makes. His quote from was his quote from the first the one. Monster. Yeah, which w- it's yeah. funny that's because cool. it was actually off. The Bible verse was actually, I believe, one before it, but they stuck with it even though they accidentally made the wrong reference. So his tattoo is what he referenced, even though they mm. misread. Oh, the okay. Reference. So they're doubling down on that. Yeah, it, and basically. I really appreciate, it. like, even just that little detail. It's like, okay, it's it's raise occult books, and it's him answer the phone. It's like, okay, you see Janine in the trailer. You see the picture of the four. You know that. The- oh, and
1: I've seen the toys. The toys yes. have leaked. Like you see, like gray haired Bill Murray. Yes. You know, in the in the in the jumpsuit.
0: And you just you just know and, it's gonna be good.
1: It's, yeah, and I don't want to. Uh, all of that was my like long roundabout way of saying that I think maybe the Suicide Squad is my favorite movie of the year so far, and I, I don't even know that. if anything else comes close. How many times have I like? I
0: think you're are you up to six, this? six
1: or seven now? I think so. I think I'm like, six. Yeah, or it, seven I mean, honestly, is,
0: it does sound like like hearing you. Sounds like what you would hear from me talking about a Ryan Reynolds movie, watching it repeatedly, despite that making any sense. Like, people are like, Yeah, that's a good movie, but not watch (laughs) it like 10 times. Like, are you okay, man? Yeah,
1: some sometimes like a movie just strikes a a perfect chord. Yeah, and this movie does that for me. and it's funny too, because like I'll, I was, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look around for a new podcast from time to time just to see what. Other, you know, not big podcasters are up to how, what the quality of their work is and just, you know, boost their membership and their numbers. And uh, of one of the new people I was giving a try, she had uh, was doing a the Suicide Squad, her like reactions to it. And uh, right off the top, uh, you could tell she wasn't high on it. So I I stopped listening I was like, I don't want a tainted viewpoint. I mean, I can appreciate she didn't necessarily care for it. That's great. I think everyone has the right to their opinions, but it so starkly contrasts from my opinions and feelings. (laughs) Like why, how could, I I can see why people get so internet mad sometimes. Like I'm not nearly that immature to like let it, uh, changed my mood and ruined my day or possibly even like cause me to shoot somebody or something. But I I can appreciate the feeling that that feeling of, uh, you know, like here's a vocal person who disagrees with me and people I assume are listening to them and not me. Like, that's not fair. We have to, I have to counteract and there has to be like a scale. (laughs) Like, so now I have to heap praise of the suicide squad and not hide my, my my uh, affection for it, because, you know, I'm not gonna. It's, it's not often that I will watch a movie a whole bunch of times. Well, And to be fair, sometimes, like, I'll watch a movie in theaters and really wish I could see it again. And of, of this whole, like, COVID era, I haven't really been... I haven't felt like re-watching a movie that was available to me via streaming. HBO Max or the Disney Plus premiere we've ordered a few movies from that. I never really feel uh, compelled to go back and watch them again since, since the pandemic. So, well, you know, I, I don't want like like, if Avengers like was released in the same model, I would have probably watched it five times yeah, <laughs> that night. Easily.
0: Well, I, because yeah. we're, I think the thing is like, cause I even, I mean, I'm, we're inundated with content all around. I mean, just like there's, there i mean there's so i mean even you know like the other day when when you uh i think it was it was the day that uh hitman's wife's bodyguard came out uh after i texted you the digital copy of it you said hey i just bought snake eyes and that made me realize oh hey snake eyes yeah. is available for <laughs> and i i got it and it, it right. was a week ago and i've still not managed to sit down and make time to watch it oh, i want to snake i'm going to but it's like
1: they just just overlooked, even at home on home digital video. Yeah, it's like oh,
0: I yeah. I went ahead. I went ahead and bought that brand new movie so I could watch it, and I'll probably yeah, get so you're around, welcome. I'll probably get around to it sometime because my schedule's so busy. and I've got so many things going on that I just can't yeah. sit down. It's like even with that it's like cuz that's how i always look at sitting down to watch any particular movie or any activity that i do in my free time there's the opportunity cost if i watch this that means i can't watch that if i do play this game then i can't watch these so it is it's what yeah. i was like when you're faced with that and i think that speaks to how how powerfully this movie hit you because i loved it i mean i'm if anybody's yeah. ever listened to any of our podcasts they know how huge of a critic of dc movies i am and i loved it but, like, I think it speaks powerfully to how well this movie was made for you to have latched on the way that it does. And I, I don't think that critique – I think someone to say to the contrary, like you said, people are allowed their opinions. But to – Well, and and
1: this movie has a – a, currently as it's a 91% on the Rotten Tomato yeah. scale. That's huge. I, I, I think oh. only Wonder Woman rates is higher in the DCEU. And and for a, a long while, most DCE movies would get released and immediately be crushed on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> including the original Suicide Squad from uh, nineteen nine or two thousand sixteen. Sorry.
0: Well, and I think I think especially with that, even before we jump into any of the content of it, I think having seen both of those. And, again, trying to be as objective as possible. Like, I was, I was excited about this. I mean, the trailers for this really did yeah. create a stir. And so when this was coming, I was excited to be like, okay, I, you know, I have HBO, so I'm going to be able to watch this day one. And I'm excited about seeing it. Um, especially, I mean, honestly, there have, I mean, I will gladly admit that the Snyder, the Snyder Cut, despite being four hours long, is better than the original Justice League um, and I hope that it actually reopens some doors that they've said are closed. Um, and the, what is it? The Fabulous Emancipation of, or the Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn, a.k.a. Terrible Birds name. Birds really God. It's, a, it's really a ridiculously horrible name, but one of the best movies that the DCEU has put out, bar none,
1: Oh, I, I was a big fan of that. I was really surprised how much I liked it. I thought it was I thought gonna be I horrible. would like it, but I didn't think I was really gonna. Yeah, be I, a I mean, I movie. watched
0: that movie, and I just and to to the credit, I mean, one of one of my absolute favorite characters in the DCEU is Harley Quinn at this point because they have done such a fantastic job, and this this movie continues that in really fleshing out her character to not just be <laughs> you know a pretty face on the screen. There's a lot of value yeah. to her. Um, To her character and to the way that Margot Robbie portrays her, uh, the way that she fits into the storyline, both as action and comedic relief and 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 dramatic purpose. I mean, she adds I mean, there's some real especially in Birds of Prey. There's some real um, emotional energy to her character that I I genuinely appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. It it really adds to the uh,
1: that authenticity what that type of, you know, like, what, what could this person, like, what drives this person? Like, what's their makeup? And I I I agree with you, man. Like, these DCEU movies mostly, I mean, I've, I'm i always rooting for the DCEU. And Marvel is the king. There's no disputing that. They have yet to make, a, like, a misstep, really. I think maybe their biggest misstep might have been I don't want to say overreacting to fire James Gunn and delaying guardians three, which has led to this, which even though this movie has not been a, a financial success, I'm sure that they'd hope with a budget of, uh, wow, $185 million. Yeah. It's an expensive movie. It looks expensive. Yeah, they it puts Everything into the movie. And to date, uh, worldwide, it's only grossed to 140. So oof, that's rough. And of course, not being able to count how the the subscribers, how that is calculated, we don't know. Uh, but a twenty six million dollar opening, how much of that can you put on the pandemic? I think a lot. Honestly. Oh yeah. And of course, there is the whole HBO Max thing. A lot of people have HBO Max. Um, <clears throat> but I I was looking forward to this movie for a while. Ever. And I, it's funny, too, because like I really wasn't looking forward to it at first when I would heard that... Well, first of all, I liked that they had got James Gunn to come over to the you know DCEU to play. It didn't really work out with Whedon, but I know he's been villainized a lot. And I'm not trying to make a political statement or anything, because I don't think what he has been accused of doing is right. But... I I feel like just if you just put all that aside for a minute and just look at a movie, I don't know if I would put all the all the problems of what Justice Lee was in theaters. I don't think that's it was all entirely his fault. Yeah. I, I, I think Avengers is, again, one of my favorite comic book movies, one of my favorite movie movies. And Avengers 2 at the time did seem a little off point. Um, I, I think it's become, it's been forgiven over time. It it set up a lot of things, which was a little foreign at the time in the in the CU. So when you, now when you look, if you watch it today, it doesn't necessarily feel as all over the place. Um, but well, yeah, James Gunn coming over. First of all, you had that. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Will Smith movies and sequels and him not being able to be in them. But they need to stop making those movies because they always tank. Yeah. And when I heard Will Smith, like it or not, was one of the reasons why the first Suicide Squad was watchable. He was being Will Smithy. And, of course, Margot Robbie was Harley Quinn, which was excellent. Um, There were a lot of cool. There were a lot of things to like um, on the surface level of the original Suicide Squad. And I I do hope that they release an air cut. I keep reading more and more like that whole release, the air cut for the suicide, yeah. the original Suicide Squad that seems to be gaining a lot of fraction, kind of in the same way that the Snyder cut thing did. So, I don't know, we'll see if that gets released. I am curious. I would like to see some of that Joker footage that he claimed that his Joker, what we got, wasn't what he intended, what he wrote. And there's a lot of Joker footage that they didn't use. Um which greatly changed the character in the movie that we got. But you know, not to go off on that tangent, this movie is joyful, mostly thanks to James Gunn. Like he he was able to successfully bring over his style into the DCEU and man did they need it. And after I watched it the first time, I was I texted you, I was like, Whatever James Gunn wants they should just give him <laughs> oh, to yeah. try and entice him to stay. Um, now, obviously, we know he's doing Guardians Three, so it's a little bit a little awkward, you know, and <laughs> maybe some awkward conversations around the office when that starts up uh, because he's changing sides. Or maybe they don't even care. If you're MCU, how would you even care what DCU is doing or not doing right now?
0: Well, and I think I think at this point too. It's one of those. I mean, like you're getting to the point where, I mean, like the the MCU is gonna be unstoppable. I mean, unstoppable. They have, they have so many things. I mean, they have uh, even the things that they have rights to now, from acquiring Fox. Um, yeah. I mean, like, they got
1: the X Men, man. They have all <laughs> they have the X Men.
0: Yeah. They have the Fantastic Four. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure from what I was reading the last couple of days, Kevin Feige has alluded to Deadpool three is probably we should be looking for it in 2023, and it's like between the first two movies, that's a billion and a half industry. So it's like a, the, a proper, the pantry is is just stocked. They have more MC. than enough, and and the thing is, like <laughs> you're starting to see. You know, I, and I, I, it's one of the thing. one of the few things that I like that does seem really petty and silly to me is, oh, this guy was in the MCU, so he can't be in the DCEU. It's like, oh, come on. Right. Like, that's not an actual thing. No. And <laughs> that was why, that was why I really did enjoy in, in James Gunn's that he had a handful of guys, you know, they're not necessarily front and center. I mean, Michael Rooker's probably, you know, I knew mm-hmm. his brother, um, Sean Gunn was going to be in the movie because yeah. he's he's in all of his movies, much like the Calendar yeah. Man. Yeah, <laughs> and he did the motion capture for Weasel, like he did for Rocket yeah. in the Guardians. Weasel. <laughs> so he, you had you had him, and then Michael Rooker, obviously, and then um, there was a brief cameo by Palm um, in the uh, when they go to the bar. She plays Mantis in the Guardians movies. The real brief cameo by her. So I liked that he brought over a handful of people Mm -hmm. from that he knew already. And so you've got this, and you're starting to get that because the MCU is so, I mean, we're, you know, 20, what, 25, this is the 26th. I think Shang-Chi might be the 25th or 26th film in the MCU coming out. So it's like, I mean, yeah, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, there's not enough actors in Hollywood to – well, who's left? Who's not in a – I mean, you got Christian Bales. He's going to be in uh, the fourth Thor movie. So it's getting to the point where it's like both both of these – and I've said that from the beginning with the DC. Mm. I'm not as big of a DC fan as I am a Marvel fan. And because of yeah. that, I don't know as much about the DC. But I've always right. – in being an MCU guy, being a Marvel fan – I hated the idea that the, you have this huge fan base of all these characters that are getting just shit movies. It's like I want yeah. for them to have the same kind of fun that we're having. Like You should be able to watch a trailer for an, a DC movie and get goosebumps because these are your characters being brought to the screen. Yeah.
1: I Man, DCEU was they came close, I think, because I remember when I first heard that Zack Snyder, I guess we're having the DCEU conversation that we've been tiptoeing and dancing around for a while. Uh, when when I first heard that Zack Snyder was going to be doing the Superman movie, I was really excited uh, because I knew that there was going to be uh, a certain level of, uh, you know, style. He's very stylistic, if nothing else. Yeah. In the Superman scenes of flying and everything, they were they were going to be top notch, and you know the the imagery that he that he gave us. Yeah, they, they, Especially with Batman v Superman, and and upfront when people were pretty much convinced that it was going to be a Dark Knight uh, movie, basically just like we're going to see the Dark Knight, how Marvel does their loose storylines of like well, you know like Civil War that kind of thing, uh, like they're going to do Dark Knight, which is Batman's big thing, and that you had all these teasers, and the te- man, that teaser for Batman v Superman was one of the greatest teasers I ever. And the, how they fumbled that so badly when it came out, I can't believe it. They were they were set up. And, you know, I was reading an article from, I can't remember where, I can't give credit to who brought it up, but um, the basically what the writer was saying was the overreaction of Batman v Superman ruined the DCEU, basically. Um, that if they hadn't, you know, Got called feet and did rewrites on the Justice League, and how they were going to do that movie, and they and then then they you know were so freaked out by the tone and people how they were saying like they just listened to all the wrong people. They listened to the loud squeaky wheels on the yeah. internet, and it screwed them up.
0: That will always and steer you
1: wrong. That's too bad. But he was th- this person was writing, and I, I really agree with him. It was like tone was never a problem. I know that a lot of people disagreed with the mood of some of the characters, especially Superman, Batman's on point, but, and I get that, I do, and I was, I never, like, Man of Steel was good, but I didn't feel that joy from, like, say, the Christopher Reeves movie that I always felt, and a part of that's nostalgia, I'll admit, Um, but look at Joker, Joker was one of the darkest movies of the last 10 years or so. And that movie was no lighter than anything that Zack Snyder was attempting to pull off. I mean, it was pretty dark, and it was a huge success. And if they just stuck to their guns, we wouldn't have we wouldn't be in this weird place with yeah. Will they? Won't they? Continue to use um the Superman? Uh, why can't I think? Henry? Uh, could, uh, no, 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 no. Why can't I think of his frigging name? Superman. Henry Cable. Okay, thank you, yeah. It's like, will they, won't they use him for anything in the future? He wants to be Superman.
0: Yeah, ben like, Affleck, just let
1: him. His, just let him. Ben Affleck was, you, you know, it seemed to me from reading everything that being Batman was like his dream come true. Huge Batman fan, and now he's, he's become Batman. And, you know, his burdens, as Ratcatcher 2 would say... <laughs> sort of led him to just give up that character and now we're in this weird sort of you know like you got this Matt Reeves Batman coming out and I'm not I get I'm like hot and cold with it like sometimes I get kind of pumped up for it and then I like I'm reminded like oh, it's Robert Pattinson and I don't know is this is this Riddler gonna be good and oh gosh. no so they got
0: <laughs> it's Paul Dano so no yeah. it will not be.
1: And then, and, and, you know, the, a big thing with the Batman movies is it's small, but it's big to a lot of people. It's like, what's the Batmobile going to look like? It's like, oh, cool. It looks like Blade's car. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. And this is like a year one type Batman, I guess, storyline. Um, but I now now that I know more about the Flash movie, I'm way more pumped to see Michael Keaton as Batman, even if it's for five minutes. I'm more excited for the possibilities of that than I am for a whole new Batman movie. And that's a problem. Well, the cause GCU's never going to get me fixed until they fix their Batman Superman problem. What,
0: what, what the problem is, is they've been trying to figure out how to do what the MCU's doing and build on things. And anytime they get any kind of infrastructure, it just crumbles because of, you know, when you had, um, you had Ben Affleck who was supposed to be directing and starring in the next Batman movie. And then whatever was going on, part of it was his personal life. Part of it was probably stuff at Warner Brothers. We don't know everything. But he stepped down as director, said, I'm still going to be in it. And then shortly after that, mm-hmm. he said, I'm not going to be in it. And so then it was like right. it went this whole other direction. So it's like the next iteration of we had. We were just left with this void. And it's like, OK. And then you had stuff with Henry Cavill. And it's like, all right, he's not going to be Superman anymore. And yeah. it's like, okay, well, we just, I mean, when we just got Wonder Woman started, I was like, and then you get mm-hmm. Justice League, it's like, okay, I like Ezra Miller as the Flash. I'm totally fine with him. I still really think that they should recast Cyborg because he's just so boring and uninteresting. Uninter- but, you know, that's just my own. I didn't
1: realize that Cyborg was such a popular character. Like, I've never found the the Cyborg Character very interesting. I don't know I, why? Like, the,
0: I think the only reason I have any affinity for it at all is because at one point in time we used to watch Teen Titans, uh, Teen Titans the Go like, or whatever, yeah, Teen Titans Go, and yeah, because it yeah, was entertaining. Yeah. entertain like that. W- that's I mean, one one thing I will say for DC and for Warner Brothers is their animated game, both in like kids shows and in really, oh, yeah. like the more adult animated stuff, they've yes. really done well like that's something I've always had to give because they've had compelling storylines, great characters. And I mean, they've just really put together some really nice things. And it was always so, I was just like, why can you not translate this to the, to the big screen? (laughs) Why can you do these shows so well, but you cannot make movies to save your life. So
1: uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just easier to do comic book stories in television, the television medium. I think, I think kind of think so. and, I'm really excited about the future of MCU and their television shows didn't seem like a good fit in the beginning. Like, Oh, the budget's going to get slashed and it's not going to be as quality and they're not going to get the same actors. Like we're going to have to have shows about ancillary characters that we don't give a shit about, but they didn't do that to us. You know, they gave us Falcon and, and winter soldier and Wanda and vision and Loki. (laughs) Like they gave us, big characters so i'm i'm pumped to see this hawkeye show i think that's going to be cool
0: well and what, what what marvel continues to do and i do think i do think that kevin feige is he is a big part of it i don't i mean all everything i know about him is conjecture because i've never met him i'm not privy to any of his managing styles but it always seems like what he does is he's very um he's as front-facing as he needs to be he, you know, he communicates yeah. well with the public and lets them know what's going on. And it seems like, he, you know, he's got a good strategy of it seems like he oversees stuff, but he employs quality people who know what they're doing and really gives them a lot of leash to go out and mess it up themselves, which they don't really do. Is, is, I mean, as far as a, you know,
1: a crack in the armor do you see maybe a bit of that now with Disney's response to Black Widow and Kevin Feige so vocally upset about how that has gone down? There seems to be some division now for the first time. Maybe That's, Kevin Feige isn't as powerful as ex- wished. I mean, he you would think if anyone in the world could do anything they want, Kevin Feige's probably the guy. He,
0: yeah, he's, he's one of the guys that could probably do it. But I think, I think this is one of those things where the opportunity, I wish the opportunity would have never risen. It's one of those kind of unfortunate casualties of the craziness that we're living in is this whole new arm of distribution has come into play. Like the video on demand releasing movies, because I know that there's, there is pushback from, um. Uh, I forget the guy's name who plays Shang Chi, but there was some pushback from him and uh, the news that Marvel was um, experimenting. I think the word was I think that's the word they used, but the the official word was that Marvel was experimenting with Free Guy or Disney, not Marvel. Disney as a whole mm-hmm. was experimenting with Free Guy and Shang Chi as far as making them theatrical only releases. You know, the la- mm-hmm. even with yeah. you know as many times as Black Widow guys push back seeing now like we were talking about before we we got started seeing now the dollar numbers that black widow made doing the Mm -hmm. video on demand and seeing what things are doing in theaters you know you're gonna have an opening to shang chi and you're gonna have a 45 day window where it is exclusively in theaters and then Mm -hmm. they do the video on demand i'll be interested to see how that plays out i'll be interested to see how you know because when yeah when the the buzz is hey black widow's out now you know and just the psychology of that for people to say ooh, people are going to talk about that i want to see it i'll rent it so if shang chi comes out i think what week after next i want to say it's the third of september Mm -hmm. so i think it's week after next that comes out it's going to be exclusively in theaters for 45 days so when it finally does come to video on demand you're talking uh, that'll be what sometime mid October, mid to late October. Mm, yeah, will there be other stuff coming out at that time that derails whatever? Like for people, just in that again, psychology of people. It's like to say, "Hey, Shang Chi and the Ten Rings is now available on video demand." You'll still get a sizable number of people that that watch it that way. But oh, yeah. will it be less because people aren't as don't have that kind of immediate enthusiasm that they did with right. oh, Black Widow's The FOMO, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's one of those where it's like, all right, how's that going to play? How's that going to work out? So there's a, there's a lot about this territory that really is kind of the unknown. We don't know. Uh, how you know, This one's video on demand. This one, you know, like with, with uh, Snake Eyes, that was two or three weeks after it was out in theaters. Yeah. It was on video on demand. You could buy it. So It was pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's okay. I remember getting a notification and being like, wow, that was fast. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's suspiciously fast. Like, you know, I'm sure it didn't do great in theaters because, I mean, it looks cool and I'm excited to see it and I'm excited I have it. But, yeah. you know, I don't know that that one was was drumming up as much buzz online as a lot of other stuff that's been coming out. I mean, they've been, as, you know, I'm hugely biased as a Ryan Reynolds fan, but Free Guy has been advertising like it's going out of style for yeah a while now. So... Oh, I can't wait to see that. I'm just... It's,
1: I know it's going to be good. There's so the there's, fascinating... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, to me, it's so fascinating... Uh, what's happening though with the information that we're now starting to see from Black Widow? Yeah. Um. So Forbes put out an article today, and uh, so I guess I guess they're sort of they were they were trying to settle, I suppose, what's going on with Scarlett Johansson and the Black Widow. I think they were trying to like settle quietly, um. But I guess. They didn't you know, like the one. The other side of it didn't want to do that. So like now that now now the information starting to get out there, and it turns out that that VOD like it made about one hundred and twenty five million dollars in VOD Which transactions. Is not something to just shy away from. I don't know if that's one month one like because you know like traditionally in in the, you, the box office grosses it's like a three day week and that's the haul that you normally see the numbers yeah. And Black Widow did 80 million, which is really respectable uh, to me uh, on its opening weekend and then pretty famously crashed hard the second. And now I'm pretty, I'm more convinced now than ever that the the releasing of a movie on VOD and in theaters will be very profitable for the studios. They have no need to be worried you know it's not as simple as just combining 125 million to 80 million and just saying it was like a 200 million dollar opening it's not quite that simple i'm sure but black widow people were excited to see it cuz it was the return of the mcu film universe and but at the same time let's let's be honest not everybody was going to go see black widow the way no. people went to see black panther or uh any of the Avengers movies. It it just wasn't going to do that. I'm frankly surprised and impressed that it did as much as it did in a covid, well like that that you know window of a few weeks, months that we were allowed to go out without masks. It did really well. It's the highest pandemic era opening weekend of any movie. So I I remember thinking at first like, wow, Scarlett Johansson she got paid 20 million and She's going to get a chunk of the receipts, I guess, for being in theaters, that whole deal, which is her argument. But now I'm starting to see her side a little more. I was like, at first, I was like, you're being a little sour grapes here. This is not a smart business move to bite Disney uh, on your way out the door. Like, it seemed like a really weird, odd thing to do uh, because, hey, you like working. You like high profile jobs. Disney's got a lot of arms out there in the entertainment industry yeah and they could bring you back it's not like it's the end they just because you're killed off in the mcu that doesn't mean anything anymore
0: well and i mean think think about like even beyond the mcu it's like okay i mean they control a number of studios and have influence in a number of other studios like even if they don't control something like sony or universal it's like you you got to imagine that getting your i mean I'm not saying it's right to, you know, to blackball her if she's owed money for, I mean, they all make obscene amounts of money. So it's when I was like, right. on one hand, I want to have no compassion for anyone. But at the same time, it's like, if you did this and that's how the industry works and you're getting screwed yeah. out of something for something you did, yeah, that's not okay. That shouldn't be okay. A deal's a
1: deal. Yeah. And that should always be the case. And, and it makes matters worse is that when Warner Brothers said, hey, we're releasing all of our... Uh, 2021 movies on HBO max same day as the actual release. Like they, yeah. they, like their whole slate of movies, they went back and there wasn't hardly any news saying that they did so, but they went back and, and renegotiated so that the, the, you know, the, the creatives got a bit more taste, a little bit, a little bit more piece of the pie that they would have not have gotten if, you know, it was, they weren't in a pandemic and they were not going to release it same day. So, They went back and just did that. Maybe there was some pushing and prodding and nobody just gives money away for nothing. But they did. It seemed like there was a lot more good faith by doing that. And and well, people, people in the industry hated. I remember when that announcement was made, tons and tons of people who were just pro theater all the way were livid. But now, yeah, like Disney... They some of that money should be owed to her, honestly, if that's the way the contracts work. If she got the same kind of deal that, you know, RDJ got, then Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she, maybe she's got a point. I feel I feel kind of bad for being critical of her at first. It's like, man, I really should have I wish I'd have just known the numbers. I mean, it's not all my fault. Uh it is it, they, they so it's secretive ours. It's with, both of our fault. Yeah. Yeah, it, we, we should be we should be blamed and whipped well, in a public court.
0: Well, but th- that's that's the thing. That's one of the things about the way that they go about doing this, that that is really unfair is none of us are privy to the contracts, the negotiation. None of us know, OK, how did this play out? But everybody gets to read the news, the press release. That Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney over this or that. Right. Like, well, I don't understand contract law. I don't know how right. they get around this in, you know, with their their legal teams. I, I have no frame of reference on it. But you're going to have the the masses go out there online and start spewing whatever they want to say. No, she deserves it. No, screw her. Whatever it is, based on if they like Scarlett Johansson or not, and that's it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that.
1: Oh, I, I love Scarlett Johansson. I thought she she's a vital character in the MCU for since the beginning well since iron man 2 i guess honestly but i have loved her in the role and i was very excited to hear that she was getting her own standalone movie i didn't love the movie but you know
0: it was good it was good all mcu movies are good it's yeah it's a it's a middle of the pack kind of movie it's not it's not a standout yeah. it's not oh my gosh that was amazing you know it was uh, you know it's not something that P pe- and, and I, I think the thing is with those, it's kind of a flip of a coin. I mean, that's how guardians was. No, no one was really terribly familiar with that. And then it was just so well done that everybody loved it. I mean, they, they took to him. same thing, you know, with Shang Chi coming out in a couple of weeks, I I'm hearing, um, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying really good things about it. But again, it's like it's characters and a story that no one's really familiar with. So it's like mm-hmm. I'll I'll be I'm hopeful that it does well because it sounds like it's a really good movie. And I think there's a lot of connective tissue to other stuff that's going to really push us forward. And kind of the same thing with the Eternals. I know you and I both there's a third trailer I still need to watch that came out. But I know oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. After I the first two, that. I know both of us were kind of I mean, and again, I'm relatively unfamiliar with the Eternals, but the trailer's are not, you know, like, oh, Remarkable I got oh, way? I gotta, yeah. it's like, all right, I, I'm going to see it. I mean, same thing as it's like, you know, I'm just as excited as any other Marvel movie, but at the same time, it's like this trailer is not like, you know, getting me jazzed. When does the Eternals come out? Oh, how many days till the Eternals? Like uh, when it comes <laughs> out, I'll see it. But yeah, it's got an interesting cast. I'm excited yeah. to,
1: to see how some of these new faces are going to integrate and show up in, in this MCU. Well, I guess all of that is a really long way to say it's it's really difficult to compare a movie such as The Suicide Squad in the DCU when it's, it's just so different that it's direct rival, MCU. So when something is, you know, quality and good, and so when I say quality, I mean uh, critically received very well, and... I've seen a lot of good fan rate. I think that the cinema score, what is the, the, the score that they do that also is like, where they, I guess, survey the cinema score. I think is what it's called. I think it was a bit weak for what you, you would expect. I think it was just like a B, which is just, you know, a B should be good, but really a B is just not great in the grand scheme of things. Like it's okay. It's nothing to write home about. I would give it an A plus. I had so much fun watching this movie. It it's a bit long, it's over two hours, and there honestly are parts of the movie that I would I think could be trimmed and you wouldn't miss it. Yeah. Um and and it kind of falls into that bit of, you know, really stylized, indulgent musical oh, sequences. Yeah. Yep. In that Zack Snyder vein, but not nearly as guilty. There aren't the slow mo shots that oh my goodness, Zack Snyder no. cut, <laughs> but I mean, there there's probably twelve minutes or more that you could probably find and cut and keep it on a Blu-ray release of an extended version. Oh It'd yeah, a good a good compromise. But being that you know it is what it is, I'm happy to have more than less, especially if it's quality. Um, really solid cast that works well together when when Will Smith when it was learned that he would not be back to reprise his role as Deadshot they went and casted um I mean it wasn't like a direct replacement but it almost felt like well we we need some kind of Deadshot character we need a charismatic black guy That's what we need Exactly let's get, let's get Idris Elba who is right up there, man. I mean, that dude is awesome in everything he does. He's hot. Not in my quite opinion, the box office draw. He's highly unique. underrated. Yeah. Oh, he's wonderful. I love him. And so they, they bring him in as, um, uh, blood uh, Oh, Bloodsport. Thank you. Very cool character. Uh, he's, he's an assassin. It, all, all objects in his hands, like a deadly weapon. I, I really dig the whole joke with Waller. And she she gives that little speech when the one guy comes. up. was like, "Who the fuck is Bloodsport?" <laughs> and she gives like that little like response, and then she proceeds to give the exact same introduction to Peacemaker. Peacemaker, yep. And Idris is like, "Are you having a laugh at me?" <laughs> uh, really funny how it snaps. Like you get that James Gunn humor. It's just so present. Like th- even if you didn't know anything about movies, like we do, and follow it directors casts all of that stuff you you would watch this movie i think and be reminded of guardians of the galaxy it's so oh, yeah. similar in tone and all the beats are really they're there just at r-rated now which is awesome for james gunn because he has that trauma roots well and i think uh, and you would imagine that would be he
0: would prefer to work in this medium and i think i think it works better too i mean if, if you think about... Oh, for
1: Suicide Squad, oh, for yeah, sure, yeah. If
0: you if you think about a PG-13 version of this movie, it's still fun. but yeah. And I, I think that's... I, honestly, I really appreciate that that's one of the things that they did with uh, Deadpool 2 when they did the original Deadpool 2, which was rated R. And then mm-hmm. even when the, the DVD came out that they had the Deadpool super-duper cut, which had right. even more in it. But then... Right. Around the, the holiday time where they had that whole advertising campaign with Fred Savage where they did Once yeah, Upon the Dead. Brilliant
1: yeah. advertising campaign. And, so good.
0: And they did He's got him
1: tied up in the same bed yeah. from nineteen eighty six.
0: And there were so, I mean there were so many different spots. I mean, they had a whole big one about Nickelback where because um, right. in the initial commercial, Fred Savage goes off on Nickelback and then they had right. one segment of that where Deadpool just Deadpool gets, took exception to that. He yeah. got angry and he <laughs> talks about all this and then they end up saying how you remind What's me with
1: of- all the Deadpool or the,
0: uh, Nickelback hate. <laughs> this is where it ends. And I was just- <laughs> it
1: is, it is like a low hanging fruit yeah. of, a, of a joke nowadays, but it's
0: funny. Cause like when you look at all the information that he provides you on like they're the 11th highest selling rock band of all time. <laughs> like, okay, that's kind of a thing. He's prepared. It's like, yeah. you're the 11th yeah. highest selling rock band of all time. Can you shit on yeah. that band? Uh, yeah. I don't a know. A lot of you
1: motherfuckers like Nickelback and you don't want to admit it. <sighs> it's fine. But I think, I think, I think in time, Nickelback will be exonerated. Oh they'll, yeah. Well, they'll be looked at as like the Eagles. Yeah. Because <laughs> they'll, the they'll are have a lot of the day. same.
0: But yeah, sure they will. But what I liked about the once upon a Deadpool was here you have a movie that was clearly you know it did I, mean, I, th- I want it didn't do as well as the first one in the theaters but I think it still was over seven hundred million total gross yeah um, so I mean it still may it didn't make as much money as the first one because they spent yeah. more money on the second one but it still made a lot of money and sure. when you see it in its R rated form and then you get that PG thirteen. I liked it because it was, okay, here's two different grabs that say, all right, we're going to gonna we're gonna re- cut it I down. I can
1: almost show my kid this movie. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> I'm going
0: to cut it down to a PG-13 cut to where we open this up to a new audience and at the same time prove to the people that say, well, what if you made a PG-13 movie? It's like, it's not going to do as well, okay? Understand this. Yeah. It's right. going to do better if it's rated R. Just let these ones be rated R. And I liked that because I think especially now that – deadpool is joining the mcu at some point it really made that case to say don't neuter this just because you want it to be a P- put him in pg-13 movies that's fine yeah don't neuter the franchise because you'll lose money and the same thing with this it's like this is where it's because it's the same kind of irreverence it's the same I mean, really there was a lot of things that in line with this movie that made me just feel like i was watching deadpool 2 Especially the opening. Oh,
1: that's exactly that's exactly what I was saying. it's it's like it has a Deadpool feel to it. There's just joy to it, and it's gleefully gory, and I love that. From the moment you see uh, Dead, uh, what what was Black uh, Pete Davidson's character? I forget his character because he. he, Spoiler alert: He dies like so fast in the movie Blackguard. But Blackguard, you're right. Uh, Who who? Even though he wasn't in it long. He was really funny in it for the few moments that he did have. Oh, it, but he comes off the beach and he's like walking towards the Corcho Maltesian army. And like his face is just blown off. Yeah,
0: And it's <laughs> it's just so fantastic because and it does it does that same thing. Whereas it sets up because that's a whole part of Deadpool 2 is uh, oh, we, we're going to we need to build a team. And then that whole right. that whole arm of the plot where it's like, let's build this team. And then we kill right. all of them. and it's and i would
1: have been totally fine even though i knew that cena and and idris were huge parts of this new movie like the way they built up the team like hell yeah i mean we got we got um, michael rooker here as um savant uh, savant right and then you got flag right he you know he's a big deal that was like such a genius part too like the two characters you know that are going to be in the the for the most part, the whole thing are Harley and flag. Yes. If, they're probably the two safest of all characters. And you would have thought captain boomerang maybe too, since he was back. Um, but having them on the ship with the others was a great kind of smoke screen yeah. to hide what was about to happen. Um, but yeah, I just love that whole assembling of the team and how I, I know you're like a gigantic, Fan of uh the who's the actor that plays Flag? Um Joel Kinnaman. Uh, yes, I yes. love I know Joel you're like Kinnaman. a huge. Yeah, I know you're a huge fan of his, and I think this this is some of his best work in this movie. Oh, I it think.
0: absolutely it because he gets he gets credit in these movies as a legit like action star, and mm-hmm. it shows you his comedic side because he definitively has one. Yeah, he does. He really
1: does. Like when the rat. Is waving high.
0: Yeah, and the uh, the
1: freedom fighter is like, is that rat waving? It appears he is. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and I, why? I really, I like to think he might be friendly.
0: <laughs> I really love the relationship that he and Harley have. There, because like, oh, I did too. It, I mean, it's
1: that was incredibly touching when Harley learns that they were there to rescue her. Yeah, she was just having that moment uh, where she was thought to be abandoned and on her own again. And she has to escape. Like, if I'm getting out of this, I'm going to have to get out of this on my own. And yeah. she's capable of doing so, obviously. But, yeah, when she sees tip to, like, get in position and everyone's ready to go and she just walks out, like, what's going on? <laughs> that was a great moment. Well, And, and I knew it was coming because I saw it in yeah. the trailer. But it was it was so
0: good. But I, I, loved, I loved his whole response because nobody else has that same connection to her. But he was like, oh, yeah. we were getting ready to rescue you. And it was a really good plan, too. Like, it's a comedic <laughs> nice. but heartfelt moment. I really enjoy it's it. It like, is. Just this one little throwaway gag, but it was like it, because it's nice because there was this relationship between a male and a female character that wasn't based on, ooh, are they going to hook up? It was, no, they're just friends. They're right. really good friends. They're
1: just who they are. Blow shit up together. And I love that the other moment they got together. I mean, he got you know when they when she hugged him, and that was a yeah. really touching moment. But also when they're getting off the bus to go into the Jögenheim, yeah, and they kind of like in, they do the slow mo thing. They kind of like you know give each other the yep, here we go. Yep. You know this flag and Quinn on another Suicide Squad adventure. They just kind of were like there was that little subtle. Acknowledgement of one
0: another. And well, I love that, and I, I like I like too because in the first one, <clears throat> you have this concrete idea that Rick Flag is a good guy, and Harley Quinn is a bad guy. Right. There, that's that's their roles. He's a good guy because he's leading the team, he's on the side of justice, he's on the side of right. She's there because she's a criminal and she has a role to fill, so she's a bad guy. And right. this time, it's like. It's not even necessarily that, you know, she's been redeemed totally. It's, I think, to a degree, like, they've both kind of moved more towards the center to where it's like, he's a little less, like, I'm by the book, total rule. Like, eh, maybe we can cut some corners. Maybe, like, he's a little bit more rogue, and she's a little bit more, oh, what if I want to be a, a good guy sometimes? You know, that, that anti-hero kind of role that maybe sure. I'm not just a straight-up bad character. Maybe I have aspects of my personality that are... Redemptive. Maybe there's a part of my character that isn't just this one dimension of, well, she's a criminal. So I, I like that they really kind of gave the character that much more dimension in this second outing. It seemed like they because in the first one, it really felt like here's we're going to introduce Harley Quinn because we got to put Harley Quinn in the DCEU somewhere. And she was really just yeah. on screen to be like they were
1: just losing money not having her yeah.
0: in the DCEU because she I mean because she's such an icon to such a faction of comic book fans that aren't the, your mainstream comic book fans I mean she's a you know you you've with the advent of the MCU and the popularity of comic books it's grown out of this the standard you know. 20, 30 year old white dudes that collect comic books and live in their mom's basement. I'm mean, like that, that was for years kind of the, the running, jo- I mean, comic book guy from Simpsons. That's, that was your
1: audience. That, so that was the fought. audience.
0: So it's like, now it's like, it's not that one dimensional note. It's anybody could be a fan of the stuff. And it's, it's your sweet grandma, you know? Yeah. Like she's
1: into the MZ. And He's so invested.
0: expanding it to characters that aren't just, Oh, here's, you know, here's this chick in this comic is like, no, this is a strong female character. With you know, she can do and this, and
1: not not to mention you have one of the best actors. Oh yeah, in the business, uh, agreeing to be her, and man, she just wears Harley Quinn like Harley Quinn, just like a glove. And to I a- love how much agency she's put into that character. To, appre- so good. to appreciate, I would put her up there with Robert Downey Jr. in the Marvel side. Yeah, I would put her up there with Chris Evans for Captain America. I think she's that. Oh yeah. You know, like the, I would agree. that actor and that character have
0: just sort of become one almost. Well, and I think even her as a person, the the acting is like she's because she's Australian. So, yeah. to go from somebody who's Australian. I mean, you know, she has a natural Australian accent.
1: Every actor can do American. It's just the easiest accent to nail, evidently. <laughs> but for her. He's got that joke It's like we ain't got no accent yes, or whatever.
0: <laughs> but for her to go from. Uh, Australian to American, and then from American yeah. to Brooklyn, because she's got right. a thick Brooklyn accent. That's two. That's two that's, levels you got to go down. That's because uh, you know I. You know we we joke, and I've done voices on here before. It's like I, I'm not a professional voice actor, but it's like, right? Uh, she's I, very good. She. That's one. Of, that's one of those things I gotta say. Is like having practiced and learned how to do different voices over the years. It's like to go from one into the next. Because that was, um, I remember, uh, I forget who was talking, but they were talking about Mel Blanc um, and mm-hmm. the voices that he used to do. And yeah. when he would do, like, uh, uh, talking about, oh, I think, I think it was Hank Azaria talking about Mel Blanc and trying to do a character doing another character's voice. So, like, Bugs mm-hmm. Bunny doing a mm-hmm. Porky Pig. And he's like, right. It seems so, you know, so easy on the surface, like really think about you're doing a voice of a character doing another right. voice of another character. It's like
1: so, it's a game within a game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's, for, it's, it's very just, meta. <laughs>
0: there, There's so much about Margot Robbie that, you know, I know she gets a lot of credit for being an, incredibly attractive. I was like, there's so much more to that. Her. She um,
1: is easy on the eyes yeah. for sure. But I don't feel bad. I I can say that and genuinely say I think she's one of the more talented actors of her generation. She has a, she, once, when she finally decides to be, stop being Harley Quinn, she's got plenty of movies. Oh, yeah. Even when, even when she's, her looks start to fade and God hopes she doesn't do the whole plastic surgery route, she, she could be in film for a very long time. Yeah. Very, very long time. Yeah. Don't do, don't do the
0: Meg Ryan thing. Do the Helen Mirren thing. Oh, gosh,
1: please. Yes, do the Helen Mirren thing, please, God. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we have Rick Flagg, who, and I guess, you know, we, we can talk about how he, he's he gone. I mean, he, he was killed, he was one of the main characters to die. You that know, made this whole. Angry. I know. I knew that was going to make you mad. I remember watching it and going, man, I really want Adam to enjoy this. I want him to enjoy this movie. But seeing Joel Kenneman die. And so heroically and so viscerally in that fight with Peacemaker. That was an amazing fight, oh, yeah. dude. Those two guys were, like you said, Joel Kimmins, like a legitimate action star. as obviously former wrestler, yeah. also an action star. Um, and the way that they choreographed that fight, it I felt like I was watching two dudes really fighting. The way they were, like, throwing each other into um, just the bathroom and all the con like, and then just like grabbing it, anything they can to hit the other
0: guy with. It was very, Crap. uh, a la Roddy, Rowdy Piper or Rowdy Roddy Piper <laughs> and Keith yes. David from, yes. Um, it wasn't nearly as long, no. but it was of same. It Was that intensity.
1: Yes. And I, I love, and it, it is too bad. And you get that great shot of, uh, peacemaker stabbing flag in the heart. And then you get that sort of in close Mortal Kombat sort yes. of fatality, so, yeah, which is kind of weird, but also very cool. Same time, there were a lot uh, of those things loved, that I really liked yeah. that
0: that uh, that Gunn did, just production wise, visually, right? Incorporating a lot of things other than just you know the scenery and the characters there are a
1: million things that if not handled just right would really bring the movie down. Yeah. But they, it never happens. It never happens. Even when it gets close with like villains, like Starro, uh, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge. Once I read that Superman was Gunn's original idea as the villain, I started salivating. I was like,
0: Oh,
1: that would have been so cool. And you even had the blood sport line where he, he put Superman in the, uh, ICU with a kryptonite bullet. Yeah, um did you did you know that? Did you read that he wanted Superman as the villain? I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, that that was his original idea, and uh, he also was going to kill off catcher too, but pulled I'm, back at the last. I'm moment. glad that he didn't.
0: I think that, Me was, too, I think that would have stung too hard. She
1: was one of the more endearing characters in yeah. the movie. She was so sweet. It's like, how could she be in? How could she be a villain? And I suppose like her only villainy is just her circumstances. Um, but she just doesn't belong. She's such a nice person. She's so kind. And I love her relationship with King Shark. Yeah. You know, cuz she's so supportive. Uh, you know, he's he's talking about wanting to go in disguise. Yes. And he's like, I could wear a disguise, and she just goes, "Oh, you can." It was all, it, Maybe it's a bit condescending in the way that it uh, re- reminds me of Kevin from The Office when Holly thinks yes. that he's.
0: <laughs> That's a really perfect comparison, actually.
1: <laughs> it felt a bit like that because King Shark is not smart. I mean, he's, he's introduced. Not, yeah sitting reading a book and the book's
0: upside down <laughs> book read <laughs> but he has he has uh, distinctively some of the best visuals in the entire movie
1: yes oh gosh and to think too that they almost didn't include him because they were having real problems getting the the shark skin down yeah uh they didn't they didn't like Apparently they weren't really happy with the way that looked, and they didn't like the way his stomach was showing up. I think they were satisfied in the end, but um, if, if he looks wonky, then you you can't have him there. It's just not going to work. But he looks so good. I was really impressed with King Shark and how they played him for that sort
0: of hulky comedic touch too. Just, yeah, it was great. Well, with the nom nom. I, I think <laughs> I think that was like. Because it felt like there were as many, like even between Suicide Squad and this one, The Suicide Squad, um, there yeah. were as many of those comparative notes just to really signify how much better of an outing this film was. And, mm-hmm. and, and I like that just internally for them to see, hey, you did this. This is a movie you guys made. Yeah. You wanted it to be right. really good. And it sucked. Like it wasn't good. People didn't yeah. like it. You know, it didn't do well. And here you have the same recipe. I mean you have this I mean it's a similar plot line there's plenty of nuances to it but it's like you, you know you have King Shark which is the complete uh, parallel to um, Killer Croc from the first one and how poor, how poorly that was executed in the first one and how masterfully uh, it was executed in this one.
1: Yes. I was so invested with every single character on the suit this new suicide squad yeah. x x force or whatever they called themselves uh polka dot man i mean these are as obscure or more obscure than what we got in the original suicide squad with el the diablo guy and 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 like you said killer croc and and captain boomerang and the one dude who gets killed almost immediately, immediately like, yeah i was like adam yeah. beach
0: adam beach <laughs> played him but i don't even remember his character's name uh right but uh i i think but, but will smith was so it, he's such a poor
1: choice, I guess, for the movie. In a way, he, in a way, it saved the movie. But at the beginning, it, it, it might have been addition by subtraction if he wasn't in it, because yeah. nobody cared about any. Like Harley was going to be a highlight no matter what. Just exactly. Because. You'd have to be a you'd have to be really horrible and a fool to just mess that up, and they didn't to their credit. But I mean, it was Will Smith and nothing else going yeah. on in that movie. Even even Joel Kenneman, like I just really didn't care his no. whole backstory with the witch girl or whatever like yeah just carol yeah
0: that was did not care
1: and Ratcatcher 2 i mean first of all the way they set up the characters and you learn about them way way better executed oh than totally the overstuffed sort of video game style introductions of the original suicide squad just completely And and then they i guess they felt the pressure of adding in the other big stars of the DC. Like you had the Batman with Deadshot and Flash with Boomerang. I mean, I get it. It, It's not a terrible idea, but it's so sloppily executed. And in this case, there was a
0: flashback
1: uh, mechanism, but it was pretty seamless to me.
0: And And, they were more woven into the fabric of the story. That was, it wasn't like, we got to take these little timeouts from whatever's going on. To talk about it, why you should care ripped about.
1: away from the, whatever momentum yeah. you've gotten, and it was like, um, it's like it's just
0: it's it was so much better done because you never felt like and because one of the it's not it's a plot device that I'm you know I, I kind of go back and forth on they jump around in the timeline two or three times over do. the course of the movie yeah and yeah I, sometimes I like it sometimes I don't it just kind of depends on how it's executed this in this it's executed well so it's not a detractor right. but it's one of those like. I always, I'm always sketchy on that, just because when you're jumping around like that, I, I feel like you have the potential. It to feels lose. like bad writing, like yeah. you're
1: trying to cover up, yeah. bad writing.
0: And so I, I'm always wary about that. But it was that's more bad editing, more yeah. likely actually. It, it, but in this case, it's like it works out really well as far as how the storytelling goes. And even mm-hmm. though we're jumping around at times, you know, it, it it almost feels like some of these things were so purposefully done just to show up the first Suicide Squad movie, just to say, we're going to do these things so blatantly to show you that we're still going to employ some of the same techniques you guys did, but this movie is just going to be well, so much the better. Dead shot and blood sport storylines are almost identical. They're, yeah, they're identical, but Bloodsport is so much like you get bloodshot. Sorry, not the Vin Diesel character, <laughs> but you, you get, you get such a, a, more compelling cause that was one of my, it was one of my complaints about the first Suicide Squad is like, okay, so like Deadshot, you know, he's a, he's a criminal, he's in jail, obviously, but like there's this idea that he's still s- supposedly a good guy and he has this relationship with his daughter. It's like, oh yeah, I showed her, it was a, but it's like, I, I liked that right off the bat, they're trying to use that a sa- similar kind of plot device, but they're like...
1: No, I got to give it up for the whole Jill Kinnaman, Darnell's out. That that was a great <laughs> <Yes>. beat. <laughs> I will give up that. Yeah. It was really good.
0: But that, that you know, when you have that initial conversation between Bloodsport and his daughter, and he's like, oh. Fuck you. I know.
1: They they seem to be having so much fun. It's James Gunn. It's all credit to James Gunn.
0: It and it's it's everything coming together as, I mean like it's it's getting the right writers, which is him. Yeah. And the right director, which is him. And the right Right. people. I mean, like, that's. And he's
1: got his Clint Howard along for the ride.
0: (laughs) And, you know, and it. I think this is what it should hopefully show because I feel like with James Gunn, knowing whatever kind of autonomy he would have had at Marvel, I have a hard time imagining that he would just be as on board with some kind of, you know, with Warner Brothers executives breathing down his neck. He would have just said, "I don't need this. I, you know, I'm getting paychecks over at Marvel. If this is how you guys want to do business, I'm out."
1: Like, spe- th- speaking of that, um, did you read the news that um, James Gunn noted that he got more notes from uh, over over an MCU for doing Guardians? I hadn't stuff. read like, that. He actually but got that's more notes. Yeah, because you you we we always sort of. Put we, we'll throw Warner Brothers under the bus quite a bit, and you know we've heard things and read things. Yeah. It's not completely unfounded, no. Uh, but yeah, he, they got fewer notes, and part of that just could have been like, like, hey, we got James Gunn on Loner. Let's just like, what do we have to lose? Just go for it."
0: Well, and and like the point that you made, him with the trauma background, one of the things that is nice in being able to do this on the Warner Brothers side is by taking away that PG thirteen net that mm-hmm. gives them a lot more room to do whatever kind of like, you don't have to say, all right, here are the boundaries. You know, it's like, obviously right. uh, I don't think a lot of mainstream filmmakers are really getting that close to the R slash NC 17 where it's like, Oh crap, we're going to have to cut a bunch of stuff out. I think they know where that R rating is pretty firmly and can use that as a guideline. But in having to keep guardians at PG 13, it's uh, like, it's kind of funny having watched this. It makes me wonder what a guardians rated R would look like. Yeah, because I think it would be yeah. Because on one hand, it probably doesn't need it, but on the other hand, what am I missing? It would be it would be what? funny to entertain, you know, rocket yeah. swearing. And, yes, you know, more he, gore he,
1: like and Chris Pratt like what he's capable. Yeah, like he's not known for potty humor necessarily, but but if you, I could I could see him having a little bit of fun with it. Too, if
0: right? you if you let him be a little bit more raunchy if you let him be a little bit more, you know, if you gave him that extra leeway, I, I right. like I said, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I think the guardians we have is more than enjoyable, but it does. It, right. it gives me that curiosity. It's like,
1: I love the guardians movies. They're, they're easily in my upper echelon of all the yeah. MCU, like both the first two movies. And I'm very, very, very excited. We're getting a third one. Wh- whenever <laughs> I, don't, I forget so, at it's, some point, probably 2022. We'll get it. Yeah. We'll get it. And that's cool. Um, but I, I just, one, another thing that if you just compare and contrast, like looking at what, like the failure of the suicide squad and that whole backstory of, again, an overreaction to the Batman V Superman. They came in, they basically took the movie away from air, which was going to be an R rated movie. Yeah. And they bring in this other guy. Cause he, if I'm, I hope I'm not misremembering this wrong, but I think more or less it was the guy who was responsible for the very well-received trailer from Suicide Squad with the Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a great trailer. Yeah. And they gave him like final cut and it very much shows throughout the movie just feels like one music video after another. The needle drops are left and right. And it's for the most part, I think like more mainstream music but with james gunn's soundtrack like i love the soundtrack of the suicide squad the new one it's so good it really blends in there's like it's like weaves itself into the story and the characters and just sort of lets it become in the background and become a character too it's not just like oh it's time to tap my foot to the song i like now (laughs) i recognize this song um but i in a way in a similar way to edgar wright how he will utilize music if you if you watch suicide squad again notice how the beat and tempo of the songs always matches the action on the screen it flows you know like anytime there's like like notes that are hitting in a song something equal to that is visually happening on screen and that, I think that there's something going on in my brain when I'm seeing this happen. It's like, I think that's why I'm identifying with this soundtrack so much more. Because there's some weird stuff on that soundtrack. But they it blends so well with the movie. Now I want to just listen to the soundtrack and remember the scenes from the movie. Because now they're married together forever.
0: Well, and I think that's, uh, that's really one of... Because um, I feel like there's so many things that are just... Hallmarks of really recognizing how well something can go when somebody pays attention to what they're doing as even I mean like there's there's the the cohesiveness of the cast is vital I mean like the way that everybody and and I think that's one of the things especially with this and why I liked how they they did it initially um, you start off with a movie and you have this whole cast of characters and weasel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you have you have. I mean, and I know they're not big names, but like, I mean, I, yeah. Flew Borg is somebody that I've known of for I don't know, probably close to a decade at this point. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion as the <laughs> detachable kid. Uh, <laughs> a TD Case tears for the de- cat. That was a great
1: delivery by Harley Quinn.
0: <laughs> I mean, you like these are not. I mean, even Michael Rooker is Savant. I mean, you have not. Yeah. I mean, these are not necessarily small names. No, I mean Pete Davidson has been uh, his, he was the front and center protagonist of his own movie. Like he's not a right. he's not an A list celebrity, but it's like okay, these are not complete unknown people. It's like oh, who are these guys? You know, it's like right. you know, really before um, Dave Bautista played Drax, I mean, unless you were a, uh, a wrestling fan, I, mean, I don't, I didn't have any frame of reference on who he was before that. Um, so it's like you have you you could you have all these characters. And they're played by people that have been in stuff. They're not. I mean, I'm, they mm-hmm. didn't get huge paydays, but it's like you have this whole cast of characters that you just kill off right at the beginning.
1: Well, it's smart because if you get likable people that you recognize, and then you give them these little parts, these little bit parts, yeah, it it gives it so much more weight. Oh yeah, you feel these characters more when they're people you recognize and also like and you're kind of in on the joke too like they all drop out of the helicopter and almost immediately they're just killed
0: yeah you know and so you you boomerang
1: have. captain boomerang gets like sliced up you know with all the the shrapnel from the helicopter mongal <laughs> i love mongals i got this It's like no you don't brought- yeah i got the bird flag yeah <laughs> I was like telling his team to like no no, <laughs> just jumps on the helicopter and the weight of her brings it down, killing everything, including her own team. And she's on fire; she's like burning. <laughs> yes,
0: and there's so, oh, it's so giddy. I'm so giddy with the gore. There were so many notes. I mean, because you start with this really serious, intense scene with Michael Rooker opening the film, yeah, and then yeah. like when all hell breaks loose. And everybody's just dying. He just gets up, turns away, and runs, screaming into the water. And they're like, turn He's around. He's not much of a badass no. in this final moment. It's like, they're like, turn around, and we're going to kill you. And then they blow his head up. So it's like, you get all of these things. That kind of come together in this opening sequence that tell you they lay the foundation for this movie. This is – set your expectation here. It's going to be big. This is
1: Game of Thrones. Yeah. All of your your favorite characters are fair game. Anybody can die. It's going to be gory. Anybody can
0: die. It's going to be funny. It's going to be intense. So there's all these notes they hit and then like you're saying with the music he weaves that in same with the storyline same with the back you know the flashbacks and is like he weaves all these things and then because one of my personal favorites and i think we may have talked about it one of my favorite things in the whole movie is how he used the scenery you know to oh. with with the the words at different yeah, points, the transitions the tra- yeah to to convey that like okay here's a scene change uh- <clears throat> when they have the the uh, the fire that goes off and and then they like oh we got to go find harley and the fire goes out and the smoke spells out harley all of those little things that as like okay these they're they were akin to the transitions when they would explain you know which planet they were going to or whatever in the guardians but i just i love how he employs even the scenery as a character <laughs> in the movie telling you what's going on furthering the plot like there's it's just another little detail to appreciate it, it, it really, and I think it's I think it's what makes a movie like this so just so fun good. to watch a bunch of times. Yeah, because there's so many th- like you can there's so many things for you to pay attention to. And so I will many
1: watch the movie just to hear Kenan and go Weasel.
0: <laughs> I'll watch it again just to get that part. He's I, oh, he's God. just and uh, that, that's why I was like even at, even at the end. When they cut to that uh, that last scene, at first I thought that was going to be Rick Flag. I was like, "Oh wait!" Did-? I did too. I was like, "Oh,
1: it's not." Well, Son of a bitch! Well, they said something about his heart being weak or yeah. something like that. You are like, "Oh," I was I was like, like, "We know he got stabbed
0: in the heart." Did he? Did they, Did he make it after all? I was like, It seems right. unlikely because he shoved something pretty much into his heart. But <laughs> right, you know, and then the building and then of, the building collapsed. The building kind of fell him, on right. top of him. But maybe, maybe <laughs> things still worked out. Maybe it's okay. Good. Hey,
1: it's like the Fast and Furious equation, yeah. you know, like if you don't see it happening, and even sometimes when you see it, they can still like, you know, wave a hand and go, No, 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 Mr. No, Nobody did. This something. is what actually happened.
0: It, remind, <laughs> it reminds me of in uh Ground Dog Day when Bill Murray goes over the edge of the of the cliff in <laughs> the in the car and, and Chris Ailey goes, Well, maybe he's still okay and then the truck explodes <laughs> like, Well, no, probably right. not now.
1: No, <laughs> That is a great it's line. Like and and the, the building completely.
0: falls down. It's like yeah, he's probably not okay now. Probably not okay.
1: Um gosh, just so much about this movie. I just could talk about it for so long. I just enjoy it so much. Let me let me talk about some of the things that didn't maybe work for me. Um cuz you know, surprise. I mean, like I love the movie, but there's definitely
0: things about it that There's I there's think always things. notes. There's always notes.
1: Yeah. Um there the scene well, before before I get into the negative, I really do want to talk about the one scene that, not the one, but one one of the scenes that I love the most is when they infiltrate the the uh, freedom fighters camp. <laughs> oh <laughs> They're yes. They're told by Waller that Flag had been uh, captured, and she she gives the order to kill everybody. When uh, we'll have to talk about how, what a good villain she is too later. Uh, <clears throat> so they show up and there's nothing threatening at all about any of the people that die. Like you start out like King shark comes around the corner and there's like the little guy, little skinny dude. And he's like, much gracias, you know, like the guy asking for some coffee and he's like, well, he's, he's not even holding a gun. He's just standing there. He's just there. He's just violently eating that guy. And then it moves on. You got peacemaker. Like, With his axe, and we both had talked about how much we just loved the nonchalant nature that he grabs the axe and just
0: stabs that dude like six or seven times. Yeah, just as he's walking (laughs) past, just like he's chopping up vegetables for dinner.
1: Right, because he and Bloodsport are doing that whole one-ups thing, which I love too. I really thought their chemistry was awesome. But as they're doing their one-upsmanship, and you got that great quote, it's like, nobody likes to show off. Yeah. Unless what you're showing off is dope as fuck. <laughs> you know, like I love that whole it exchange. It, it really but is. There's like a woman like washing clothes and humming a cheerful tune. And he just like darts her to the neck. Yeah. <laughs> the one dude's just like in the bath and Bloodsport shoots the fan and electrocutes him while his junk gets. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like fanned to death. Oh my God. It's so funny. And, like none of, that, none of them really looked all that threatening. And, of course, we learn, oh, these are the good – oh, yeah, gosh. These like, aren't why bad why, guys. Why, why, why didn't my people alert me? What people? <laughs> we didn't do anything. What are you talking about? Uh, the, King Shark cops up, like, the ring on right. <laughs> like the finger. Like, oh. Uh... <laughs> that was a great scene. But I, I think the whole – Now I think they wanted to put him as much in the movie as they could because I, I, I think they thought of him as a character that they could – Really capitalize on yeah. in a way that because I know he's got his own com like a new new line of comics uh, in in the Suicide Squad I guess universe like that started up so people people are thinking oh yeah they, we could have something here um, <clears throat> um but. When was I even going to go with that? I'm not even <laughs> having one of my. It's just world fun to talk about. Well, famous. You were you were yeah.
0: you were going to denote that before we got into anything negative about the movie because we needed, a, oh, we needed yes, to. Oh yes, that. Thank
1: you, thank you for bringing me wrangling me back. But yeah, the scene where he meets his new dumb friends, and that that scene is probably two to three minutes that could just go away, and it wouldn't affect anything. Uh, other than you get like a little serene moment. Yeah, it's it's pretty, but. I didn't care. And the other thing, too, it may seem really odd that I'm going to m- make this point. But the part with Harley Quinn where she meets the general and they kind of do the uh, montage of falling in love or like yeah. their whole day together, that I love the payoff. The payoff is amazing. Yeah. Um, but that whole montage, like I'm just really I. the last time I watched the movie, I just skipped it. I just skipped ahead. Yeah, I could tell To see where that. she shoots him. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I don't need this. And that's like another three, four minutes that they could. But other than that, I'm really good with everything. Um, I love The Thinker. The Thinker is amazing. Let's get back to the things I really liked. Every line he delivered. Well, who was his it's Doctor Who, right? He yeah, was Peter Capaldi. Who. He's. Oh, he. I want to look him up because he every he only had a few moments to do anything and he killed every moment. So oh, good.
0: He's um, I can't remember if I can't remember if I sent it to you or not, because I lo- I went and looked it up afterwards. He was in a show called The Thick of It that I yeah. absolutely loved. There's um, four series slash seasons of it. Uh, it's a British show. Um, they had a writer on that show that his job was to write. Profanity and ins- insults for oh. Peter Capaldi. It was just Ooh, to come God. up with the most creative ways to curse and yell at people at the same time, oh and God. he delivers it with such vigor and vitriol that it just really oh. makes the character come alive. And it was he- what's all that shit in your head make your
1: brain good? Yes, makes my brain good. I <laughs> just like the way he delivers the line. Do you was, want you want a half a dozen rats
0: going up your rectum?
1: <laughs> oh my! My answer might surprise you.
0: <laughs> He's that he was one of the, like it's one of those where like his casualty in everything was yeah it was uh, same kind of thing as, as Rick Flag. It's like oh, I wish you hadn't. I mean I get why you did, but I wish you yeah. hadn't.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed my time with him because really he didn't. As good as he was in the little that we saw him, he really uh, his whole point, his whole purpose was just to get the Suicide Squad yeah. into a building. That's pretty much it. He was a means and to he, an end. He was. He was just a means to an end. Um, and I guess like my only other nitpick is Starro. I I, it's it's okay. I guess
0: it's a weird I, villain. We'll just yeah. Uh, like it's okay. A giant starfish. That's just a weird right. thing,
1: man. It is, but I did. I did kind of enjoy the creepy zombie vibe you got, especially in the old real-to-real footage they were watching of the astronauts. Yeah, and they're all in unison when they, it's kind of like unity from Rick and Morty. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, I I liked that, so I don't. I don't hate everything about it. No, um, and he really didn't seem to even care about the Suicide Squad. In fact, he just you know. Just kind of turns his back on him, which was a big mistake.
0: <clears throat> well, but
1: yeah, rat catch, rat catcher two. Oh, I'm sorry if you wanted to make a point.
0: No, I I think because I think the thing is, and I, we may have even been talking about it when I first watched it, um, just over text. But like at the end of the movie, um, it, because it it kind of leaves it on a little bit of an ambiguous note, simply because in the moment, um, you know, once they had secured that uh, hard drive and that was their mission um Mm -hmm. and you have starro that's just destroying this island full of all these innocent people uh you have this okay you got what you needed get out of there and it's like well these are the only guys that could save the people on this island like that's not our mission we don't care and she's you know like they're getting ready it's like you know Bloodsport says no we got to do this she's getting ready to terminate him and she gets knocked out and- well, I will say I think the mission was actually
1: to destroy yeah. the building, and they weren't supposed to know why. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't until I guess from uh, the thinker from his little villainy speech that he gives, then it flag decides. It's kind of in that like he's in the middle, like yeah, he's like a GI Joe U.S. soldier. Yeah, but he he's ready to expose his country catchphrase coiner oh God take that with cheese what the hell is that well they don't all work is that me Chic is hang on <laughs> wear for elegant plus women I have no
0: idea what's going on
1: right now you know what that was what was that I was watching 30 rock as mentioned before and I had paused an episode and it just it only stays paused for so long. It's a long time, but it doesn't always stay paused. It just started playing.
0: That was Tracy Jordan's wife.
1: Uh, ham. It's my way, way till payday. Ham. Yes. There's another podcast where you and I review or talk about TV shows. There's oh, got to be, totally. I think. It would be a There's spin enough up. juice in there where we could do Oh, it. my goodness, yes. Uh, but off of that tangent and back over to the movie, yeah, the 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 hard drive was sort of a, a plan B effort that that um, I guess rat catcher two sees the final death blow of flag and he is of course like the moral leader that in it's such a betrayal and that's another thing I'm not really so we we know that Waller's plan B was peacemaker.
0: Yeah. Um, Was the whole team
1: in on it, though?
0: Or not? I I don't think so. I think that was just her fail safe. It was like, okay, Okay. the the evidence is on that drive. I think
1: so, too. I think so, too. But there was a moment I felt like when they locked eyes that it's like, oh, well, maybe she is in on the contingency at the very least. Like, she's mortified that he would follow through and actually kill Flag. But he didn't want to. Like, he, that was not what he wanted. And I enjoyed that they put in that little bit of character development where he seemed very upset for killing Flag. He respected Flag a lot, it seemed like. Well, because it,
0: now it's a huge moral quandary for him because it's like, okay, he, he, like you say, he respects Flag, but he has his orders. And it's like, okay, which yeah. there's this duality to his, his, uh, his legion like okay, uh, he has this decision he has to make, and it's like
1: oh. in his story, he is the hero. Yeah, and he's thwarting an international incident, as he called it, and he's probably right. <laughs> well, and it's flag flag is so morally sound, and uh, you know he's like I, steadfast in doing what he thinks is the right thing. Like he has a code, and he's going to live by it. And but that code, he's not stopping to think. And he didn't. It's not like he had a minute to think about it either. It just sort of happened. Um But he he was going to uh, un- pull like unveil the curtain on the U.S. government. So, in a different movie, if you wanted to edit it another way, like Peacemaker is the hero, and he is getting his own spinoff show.
0: Well, and uh, because it's that's the thing about it is okay. You know, when you when you you have to look at it from the different vantage points. Uh, up to that point. You know, Flag is only aware that we're supposed to destroy this building. And then once Mm -hmm. there's new information for him, that moves the needle for him. It changes the dynamics of what they're doing because his his allegiance is to the doing the right thing. Like he's been given orders. And while those orders line up with, okay, we need to do this because this is the right thing. Well, when he's the
1: America that he believes in, yeah. and was sold and believe like it's a threat by by doing nothing, he threatens that,
0: yeah, and so country that he loves, he he goes on this mission with his orders and he's following them, but then new information comes to light and that changes the dynamic of the mission because now there are other elements at play, but for Peacemaker, right. Peacemaker, his. His allegiance isn't necessarily to and he, he establishes that early on, even in the joke when they're talking about all the dicks on the beach. It's like, if that's what I had to do for liberty, <laughs> I would do it. And it's it's funny. But when you. Why f- would anyone
1: put penises all over <laughs> the beach? It's who knows why mad men do what they do.
0: <laughs> it's it's a great little throwaway line. It's a great little <laughs> gag that you get that that comedy beat. But when you pay attention Nothing to that, like a bloodbath in the morning. <laughs> And you realize <laughs> they call you. <laughs> that's what that's he. That's what he's loyal to. It's like whatever yeah. the cause is. If if right. the threat to the cause is loss of liberty, then that's that's where he draws the line. So he's been given, and and I think that's specifically why he's employed in the way he is, because yeah. she knows what they're going after. So as a contingency, if things get out of control, if they learn, she, because on the flip side, she knows that if these guys learn what we're going for, some of these guys might not be down for it. And I need yeah. somebody that's going to see this through to the end, no matter what changes. And you got to keep in mind too, flag
1: wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. His involvement was sort of just like seen as a bonus. Uh, we, you you always got the feeling that flag and Waller had like a sort of understanding. Yeah. But one scene that I was reading that, uh, so the the whole reason, and I don't know if this is exactly true, but I, I kind of think it might be just from the tone of the movie. Um He was on that team because he pissed Waller off for making fun of her shirt. Yeah. <laughs> kind of fits yeah. in a bit, you know, because she really loses control a number of times. Yeah. Um, and, and of course she has her own code. Like I, I do, I, I won't, I'll stop at nothing to protect, you know, this country basically is how she sleeps at night. That's what, ha, that's how she, that's what she tells herself to be able to sleep at night and she's ruthless in doing so. And really, and it becomes kind of an interesting villain that we've never seen
0: I, I, uh, before. I think, I think that's what makes it because you're meant to look at it and see, because you, you, you have these physical representations of what's quote unquote the villain you have you know you have the mm-hmm. thinker who's kind of one part of it you have these generals that are are right. another faction the coup d'etat yeah. yeah they're right and then you have staro who's you know is the kaiju that's going to destroy everything so you have these you have these threats you have these threats to the mission but they're not really the villain I mean, they're a, right. a manifestation.
1: Oh, Starro was really kind of, like, heartbreaking when he says, I was happy just floating in space. Yeah, it's so like, if you just left me alone, stars. wouldn't even be a thing, yeah. man.
0: Wouldn't even be a thing. Right. Um, and then, really, the, I mean, they created him to be that monster by experimenting on him for all those years. So it's like, okay. Yes. And so you find out, it's like, really and truly who is the villain is almost kind of a nameless, faceless idea But the, the face and and name that we put on it is Viola Davis. I mean, she's, she is because, you know, and you get that in those moments where even her team are like, Hey, you weren't really serious about doing that to his daughter. Right. Right. And I was like, and then you get those moments where she's like, you have no idea what I would do. You Mm -hmm. just get this kind of chill that runs up your spine. Like, Oh. And if you think back to the first Suicide Squad, she, like, executes yeah.
1: people in the room with her when they the first Suicide Squad, uh, like, picks her up and begins to escort her out. Like, she just murders, like, all those people that are in that yeah. control room with her. And those are the same, you know, like, that whole team, like, the team we get to know, the big guy, and the, the blonde lady, and the, the, you know, the other girl who, like, knocks out Waller with the golf club. Yeah. All really funny. I loved it. Uh get on the satellite you dick. <laughs> <laughs> but that that was but in another on another day, Waller would just turn and fire a bullet into all of their foreheads and then just walk out as coldly and nonchalantly as peacemaker not, like axes that dude in bed.
0: That was what I found to be really interesting about it. In the end, you get that end credit scene again where they come and, you know, they've been assigned to handle peacemaker which again does seem like a punishment but it's like okay this the implication is they're too valuable to just dismiss to just Mm -hmm. you know execute them and move on to somebody else like okay i actually need these guys uh otherwise i just that's
1: that's the thing about the suicide squad that i've come to learn everybody's expendable it's like the expendables yeah you, you, um, you're with me until I no longer need you. Yeah, and then, and then
0: it's like, then I could just you, off you and psh, we could move on. Right,
1: and I wouldn't even bat an eye. Yeah. Like, no big deal. So it it makes her a very formidable villain, I guess you could say, in a way that, like, a Lex uh, Luthor was the, really, in many ways, Superman's greatest uh, arch nemesis. And he's just a man, right? No superpowers. Yeah. Just incredibly smart and and wealthy and has resources really is what it is and and waller has resources and clearance and the the full backing of the u.s government so kind of makes her the most dangerous person in the world if you think about it
0: i'll be i'll be very curious to see how the future of harley quinn's character interacts with um with waller just because mm-hmm. you're like you, there's not it, like they don't focus too much on it. But it's one of those like I feel like, you know, in the aftermath of everything, once it's all said and done, because you have this, you have know, that that uh, little communication at the end where uh, Bloodsport is telling us like, hey, I, we put on a server, we have redundancies. Anything happens yeah. to us, this goes viral, and you guys are done. So they have their right. they have yeah. their understanding. But it's when I was like, you never really, I like, I never really felt like I got, like, this Harley processing Rick Flag's death and, like, what that, how that would reflect on her and what that will mean for her relationship with Peacemaker and anything going forward. And then, by extension, her and Waller. Like, what will that, how will that yeah. play out for her where it's like, all right, I feel like she would have, like, she has this this moral ambivalence that seems like it kind of where the wind blows is where she goes. But at the same time, it's like Mm -hmm. they specifically notated that relationship that she and flag had. So understanding that he was taken out while trying to do the right thing by Waller and Peacemaker, I feel like it's not, I I think there's a,
1: I I think there's a really a lot of good opportunities that if they wanted to, they could explore that whole Waller Harley thing because they really are the same person. They kind of just go where the wind blows, you know, Harley, they're being attacked on the beach uh, things have gone sideways. Everybody's panicking, and she all she needs is like that go ahead, and she's like okie-dokie, and then she like fires the rocket, and like it's on. Yeah, that's just kind of her whole attitude. Like she just nothing. She's not going to dwell on anything. If she remembers you at all, like you're lucky, I guess. <laughs> and Waller's in the similar vein. Like they, there could be some interesting dynamic between the two of them if they wanted to. Because I don't think you like the easy thing to do would just be to like have one of the Suicide Squad just come in and like punch out Viola Davis and then she gets taken down like the government catches wind of her ways and yeah. is deemed too excessive you know like that would be the easy thing to do sort of the um, uh, <clears throat> like the 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for the like predictable thing is yeah. That would be the thing, but they don't. It's, it's sort of just left. She's she's holding an ice pack on her head. She looks at at her team. They're all like they're eating potato chips or whatever, and they know they're in trouble. But but they didn't get a bullet in their head, so they must still be somewhat useful. Yeah. She's a wild card, and I and Viola Davis is really likable. So when when she's not playing the villain. I enjoy her so much, you know, like the whole exchange with Ratcatcher 2 about the overhead projector. Oh yeah. She's great in those moments with the characters, like if she's allowed to just interact with all of them and not in that position of aggression. She's so enjoyable with all of them. So it's it again, it's like a lot of villains, there's gray area there. Like maybe she's just like circumstances pushed her to a point. It's like all the great villains. It's the Joker. It's the circumstances that push you to, uh, that point of your life. And I, I think there's a, a credit to like what DCEU does. Like, I, and I've mentioned this before and you've heard me say it a number of times. And I think you agree with me. Uh, the one area that DCEU definitely outshines MCU is in the villain department. I feel like they have so many good villains yeah compared to the mcu and that's a shame because how mcu is pulling off making these compelling hero movies without a, a what's well, just like a lack of overall a like, good villain And there's good villains in there don't get me wrong Thanos is a great villain uh, loki's a great villain. and now we
0: have kang but the there's... conqueror
1: <laughs> yeah um and dormamu or however you pronounce his name oh dormamu yeah Dormammu, yeah. But with DCEU, they're all these great compelling villains because they're kinda real people with whose life has just pushed them, you know, like the Joker and uh Mr. Freeze and just all of them have just been pushed. Like society made them bad. And I like that. They're just not bad for bad sake, like a, a struggle for power. Like I hate that. I'm still saying that. Yeah, they were of the Skeletor mentality in He-Man. Like, <laughs> I just want to be
0: ruler. <laughs> I'll get you,
1: He-Man. Yeah, make me sympathetic to the villain first. Just spend a few minutes to make me sympathetic. Just a little bit, because I'm not supposed to like them because they have to be defeated. Good must punish evil, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I want to at least be conflicted about it a little bit. Hey, Thanos, what are you saying? It's not so crazy. It's it's bar- It's barbaric. Right. But what he's saying is at least logical.
0: Well, and and that's that's kind of the evolution of these movies is like when you think like when you watch the cartoons or you're introduced to these characters when you're a kid, it's good guys and bad guys. And, you know, you might get a little bit of the backstory. They might say, oh, here's how he became, you know, the Green Goblin. Here's how he became Joker. Here's how he became, you know, whatever the character is. So you get to understand where they came from. But as a kid, you're not going to process like, oh, I feel for his emotion. It's like, no, you're not going to delve. It's like, he's the bad guy. Get the bad guy. And it's like, the good guys win, the bad guys lose. Ah, yay. Right. And so that's as far as it goes. But once you get to this level, it's like there there does have to be a little bit more nuance. And when you're making a film and you're presenting this idea and you're presenting this story, the more complex and, and the more um, intricate the, the character of the villain really can play Makes the story that much better. I mean, it's easy for everybody to rally behind the villain or the the hero. I mean, um, and even mm-hmm. even with the idea of anti heroes of people that are conflicted, people that you know kind of color outside the lines of justice. The the guys that you know will do things that oh wait that's not how um, Superman would do it. That's not how Captain America would do it. You know, they would play by the rules. Yeah. This guy's using guns. He's threatening people. It's like oh wait that's different. So it's like you have this right. anti-hero that's already acceptable as well to where it's like the hero doesn't necessarily he can or cannot play by the rules but the villain was always supposed to be he's the bad guy and now you have this you know this understanding that your villain can be misunderstood, your villain can be yeah. have a humanity to him, your villain can be conflicted in what they're doing and it gives all of these extra dimensions to the character that you're talking about. The more complex that is, the more especially when balanced out Within you know everything else in the equation, it really adds to the enjoyment of the movie. And I think, you know, this is even like I was saying, it's like you have several different faces that are opposition. But it's like when you when I really pointed towards it, it's like at the end of the day, the villain is this is this government entity that did all these things, that perpetrated all this stuff, that let this stuff happen. And it's like, okay, you know, and with Waller as the face of that, it's like well, that juxtaposes everything. She's the one that's in charge of the team that's going to go stop all this. But she has these ulterior motives. So we're, wait a minute, I thought she was supposed to be the good guy. And now I'm, right. Uh, I know she's, you know, she's kind of cold and she's, you know, she's not accessible like a hero is, but I still am supposed to believe in her. But wait a minute, if she's not 100% good or, you know, even a certain amount bad that I can accept. Well, now I have questions. Now, how do I? How do I? She's reconcile? flawed. Yeah. she's
1: very flawed. She's she's very temperamental. Um, probably that type of person shouldn't have the key to blow people's brains up.
0: I mean, yeah, it's not a good thing. It's <laughs> even usually, a little more even keeled. You know, I've never seen <laughs> but, my boss shoot anybody because they didn't get a report in on time. Oh, you took a thirty-one minute lunch break today. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Hey guys, don't be like Ted. Also, Ted's dead.
1: And I also like when, because it's revealing how she kind of reviles ha- having to work with these people. She she just like in that moment of her frenzy when she's about she, she's trying to blow up the new Suicide Squad, and she's she's saying things like "Turn around, you pieces of shit" or whatever. Like she she's getting personal. Yeah. And it's like, wow, why is she making this so personal? <laughs> this is really weird. Um, but uh, Staro. It's it's a good action set piece and like we got kaiju up in this shit or whatever the one dude says that he's just like so excited to see this kaiju monster.
0: I gotta say because we haven't we haven't really specifically acknowledged him because there's so many characters that I mean that are killed off so quickly that are I mean really yeah. enjoyable, but right polka dot man is oh, he's, uh, he's thank you for not letting thank you for not letting <laughs> me forget him. He's like the sleeper hit in this movie. Yeah. He really is. I was like, I saw, I've seen the meme a couple of times over the last few days, but it was like in 2020, it has side by side and I, they're the, the, the comic book art of, of the two characters, um, in the movie. I was like in 2021, I've seen both of these characters. It has on one side, Polka Dot Man, and then it has Taskmaster from Black Widow. And it's like, I've seen both of these characters. Ooh. How is it that I like Polka Dot Man so much more? <laughs> I don't know. It is. It's. it's I, I'm. I'm
1: just happy that you enjoyed the movie and got, like, you know, like
0: genuinely appreciated it. Oh my gosh! And and just the the notes from Polka Dot Man, like those those really simple shots where like you real like he sees the whole team, and they're all oh, his mom, his mom. Even down to well, the even Sino's
1: like calls Norman Bates at one yes. point, which is really
0: funny. And and then. You know when he, his his ex, oh the rat his exit oh, like when they're dancing and all of the people in the club oh, are his God. mom and then yes then when uh, that's
1: his curse that's his curse he sees his, his you know his mom is everybody uh, and you you get that chilling moment where like she's like I thought you were the crazy one he's like I am I am and, right it's, it's like where and where's your mom
0: everywhere, everywhere.
1: <laughs> and then you see her but as it's immediately starved. like right oh yeah her starro is his mom is the best because she's just this, like middle-aged
0: white lady punching a building <laughs> and then he chop like chops her ankle off with his polka oh, dots and then he, he oh i love cena
1: as well, like what does he shoot polka dots at people and then there's like a pregnant pause he does he does he shoots polka dots at people <laughs> Because Waller does it, just selling like no, 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 no. This is what useful thing he has, and he's pretty lethal with those things. Well, and that, that, I'm sorry, it's so flamboyant. That's such a great line.
0: That <laughs> that line, that line that he delivers right before his exit from the film. It's like I'm a motherfucking superhero. Oh no, oh, it's, no. It's just it's and and then the, the whole exchange over Milton when they're in the office building. <laughs> Like, he's just, yes. he's such a... I genuinely liked, he was a good guy. And Harley's like, wait, who, I think I would remember if there was a guy on the team named Milton. I loved Milton. <sighs> he, was, he was another star in the movie. It like, <laughs> See? That's where it's like, the writing is so good. It's like, okay, you are in the right. middle of this huge catastrophe. You are in the middle of calamity. Some of the most important things of the film are happening. Simultaneously to that whole exchange is the fight between Peacemaker and Rick Flagg. I mean, that's going on at the exact same yeah. moment that they're having this right. inane conversation about Milton and it's just great. And then when
1: Harley turns around to see Milton's dead body, she's like, Milton, Milton. "Milton."
0: and then even, even just a few moments later at the end of the movie, once they've defeated Starro and they're walking away and she confuses, uh, blood sport for <laughs> Milton is like, no, we just had a right. conversation about this. Your name is Milton. <laughs> It's like it's such I mean it's it was such a silly uh, note.
1: I love Harley Quinn's character
0: uh, so. She much. I mean it really is like just a shining star in this whole I mean in a really great cast. I mean just a, uh, all right. around. I mean like so many big great names. I don't it's just it, this Everybody gets a great moment.
1: Yeah. Including including uh Taika Waititi gets this yes. unbelievable cameo at the end. Uh, well, there's two moments that you see him, but his it's kind of blurred because the, ba- the the flashbacks told in like the reflection of the bus they're traveling in. Yes, so knowing that he's Taika Waititi, you can see it. But that first time, I didn't realize it was him. And then at the end, you get that like sweet moment where they're sitting atop the building roof, the you know the roof of the building. And I I don't know if it's Paris they're
0: in or whatever. I that think is. It, it was, was
1: beautiful. And you know he's like, oh my god, that was Tycho Waititi. I can't wait till Adam sees that part.
0: I and I love it's like I love that he's everywhere now because he's so fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
1: Everybody got something to do in this movie. I, I really enjoyed how well the characters kind of got along in that bar scene, where yeah. even though they're in the middle of this mission, they let the characters cut loose. And you'd already mentioned the whole dancing thing with Polka Dot Man, but just little things made me laugh so hard it's like why would John Cena's disguise be like jorts in this tiny baby polo shirt where his like stomach is showing a bit (laughs) he's just like why did he pick that and And he's on the dance floor and he's doing these goofy dance moves and I'm like I'm loving it so
0: much and they like you forgot the one for the rat you forgot the drink for the rat which I, I, I just love that little notation it's like
1: I do too uh, Sebastian is another like little secret star to the movie. I just enjoyed all the little scenes where he's trying to bond, And I love that they gave him like a little backpack to yeah. have him stand out. So cute. I love just the, the sweetness of Ratcatcher throughout the movie. She she really is the heart. And I'm so glad they didn't kill her because they were gonna. But they they changed their mind. And I think that's so smart. alright man well I guess I guess that's really all there is to say about the Suicide Squad you, you can still catch it on HBO Max uh, I it, I really wish in another world in another timeline I could have seen this in theaters because it would have been amazing it would have been so good to see this movie in theaters I'm sad that I'm not really going to get to experience that but you know who knows maybe if they ever do another Suicide Squad movie they'll, that'll that will be all this stuff will hopefully for God by then be behind us and we can start doing the movie experience, yeah. traditional way. I, I'm I'm hoping that some of these new practices are here to stay. The VOD stuff, like I love the shortened window. Yeah, it um, is nice. Now that's gonna that's really gonna hurt the business of these dollar movie theaters. Like I I, I think that's gonna hurt them the most, really. Because yeah. if you could just do 45 days like they're doing with Free Guy, um, 45 days is not that bad. Once no. you consider it used to be like a year, like a half a year at least to get a movie on video yeah. or at home, only 45 days, that's not bad. And a movie is going to make its most of its money in those four week, that four-week period anyway. I, I, I say who cares about that seventh, eighth, ninth week. But I mean, I, I say who cares, but it is. It's going to hurt those dollar movie places. And a lot of people just cherish those dollar movie places theaters so what are they going to show I, I don't even know maybe they can make a living uh doing what other theaters did and just showed classic movies yeah just just do a classic do like a drive-in kind of thing just do like a classic movie night they could survive that way maybe i don't know but it, it, all i do
0: know is oh, no it'll, it'll just it, i mean like all of this some of the things that we're seeing now. Because, I mean, when you think about going back to 18 months ago when we were starting all this and people wondering, you know, movie premieres were getting pushed back months and months and months. And now um, we have movies that come out uh, same day in theaters and on streaming services. Um, We have movies that come out in theaters and available to purchase same day. Um, mm-hmm. we have shortened times for movies to be able to own shortened times for movies to come out on digital release um and even yeah even like that 45 day it's like traditionally you know leading up to the pandemic it was about 90 days a movie comes out in theaters you got 90 days and then it's usually coming out on dvd three months later some yeah. things are and that's
1: a very successful movie too, yeah 90, 90 days that's that's a pretty successful movie like black panther yeah. Most movies don't hang around like your multiplexes for any longer than a yeah. month. Yeah. That's like, that's usually the cutoff.
0: So, this, there's, there's a lot about this that's all new territory. And, like you said, I mean, I, who, I, at this point, no, nobody really knows when, in new normal, old normal, a mixture of the two. I, yeah. I, no one, just whenever life. Is, I hate
1: how not transparent any of this is. Like, yeah. the only reason we got that one bit of info from Forbes is because. They they tried to keep it on the DL, but I guess you know the, uh, the I don't know if it's like all the Scarlett Johansson side. It must be, you know they they're like no, we know we're in the right, and we're not we're not wanting to settle. Like we want to take this all the way. So now we know that, and you know looking at those those numbers, uh, if if they could somehow work it out to where they could release VOD, and like if you choose to buy it digitally for 30 bucks. If you have a subscription and you can count on that revenue, like that's the new normal. Like we're not just doing like theatrical box office numbers. Like we're combining everything. I think they can make it work. And. well, cause I mean, y- you would, I mean, but it's like, it's capitalism, right? Like something's going like, to, is it theaters? Are they going to fill the crunch problem? I guess so.
0: <laughs> well, and uh, cause it's, uh, you know, the, the economics of, of it are, those are the things we've already admitted. We don't know all the ins and outs like, we make you know we, you see how what the production budget is that's usually available, and we usually make the assumption that the the uh, marketing budget is about the same. So you kind of double that. That's
1: what we've you know yeah that's what we've been that's taught. what we've always assumed.
0: But you know on I, like I don't know you know okay if you if you make a movie for a hundred million dollars and you spend another hundred million dollars promoting it and the movie makes four hundred million dollars. I think the assumption is okay the, the studio made 200 million dollars but like how, how does that I mean how does that boil down? It's not like a guy gets a paycheck for 200 million dollars like okay that <laughs> yeah. the economics of how that go into it because then once you start saying it's like okay, if theaters were eventually to go by the wayside and I know we've talked before about you know the physical media aspect of it, is like there's still enough people that ha- that there's some demand for physical media that they still produce blu-rays and 4k blu-rays and all that oh yeah so it's like that's not that's not necessarily going away
1: if records if vinyl records can come back and have a space then i don't have i am not worried about a physical like it won't be as giant as it was yeah you know it used to be you'd go in a best buy and like half the floor space is like dvds and blu-rays um you don't need that anymore you can condense it condense it and then people can buy um Movies that aren't new releases and stuff on the website or whatever. Well, you, know, you don't need that much space and to, when, to show off Blu-rays and
0: when, when you think about shortening that window, I was like if if movie X was going to come out and it was going to be in theaters for 90 days and we go from a premiere to at home in 45 days, well, then you double up the number of projects that you can put out in a year. Because if you've shortened that window, you can have more things hitting yeah. theaters. Which means if your revenue isn't as high, like if you know you put out this movie and under normal circumstances it has a theatrical run and you make $500 million, if it's not as high but in the same span of time you're able to put two movies out and you do make something similar to that, are they really – I mean like I know there's still production costs. There's, it'll just be interesting to see how the economics from the other end of it that we are not privy to, if that's as beneficial for the studios to say, yeah, we're not – has focused on theatrical releases anymore because we realize we can make just as much, if not more, money having a shortened span of time and getting these things digitally into people's homes. We're making more money that way. Like okay, well that'll be it.
1: yeah. It, it, you're right. I mean, we are just being bombarded with content. I mean, it's one thing to get. Uh, like a Mel Gibson movie where he plays Santa. It's kind of this like small thing. Yeah. And it gets dropped and like hardly anybody notices. But I mean, we just had a Hugh Jackman movie release. Yeah. The rem- uh, reminiscence, reminiscence, whatever it's called. And under normal circumstances, a Hugh Jackman movie that's an action movie is going to get the big release treatment, right? And it, it just it just came out. It was just like, well, this is you know, this was going to get released in theaters. I, it did get released in theaters. It is, and it's doing terribly. I think it's it did like three million or something over the weekend. It's really bad.
0: Well, and and <clears> the <throat> the other, I mean, just kind of you know, when you think about some of the standards as far as entertainment goes, one of the things that was always kind of uh, you know, I, I don't know that anybody ever really admitted it, but like you know hmm. when when movie actors were kind of at the tail end of their career, if they wanted to keep going, a lot of times they would transition into television shows. That was kind of like, okay, this guy used to be in movies. Now he does TV. So it was like, I can keep acting. It's just going to be in a smaller capacity. Yeah. But anymore. Oh, like
1: an Alec Baldwin on 30 Rock. Yeah. That
0: kind it's like, me. okay, a guy that had a really, you know, pretty decent sized film career is now, you know, just as you know, notable, but in a television show, um, yeah. So, and you're excited to have him in television, yeah. It
1: feels like a brand new career, like a new start.
0: But it's it's interesting because we're at we have this whole new delivery method where you have these streaming platforms, Netflix, Hulu, and everybody else that's breaking. I mean, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus. You know, everybody's doing their own thing now and
1: so movie stars have shows now like that's not an unusual thing
0: that's that's one of the things like the one of the i mean there was a show when i went to go see free guy the other day uh i think it's uh nine strangers or something like that that's on hulu and there's bobby cannaval there's uh melissa mccarthy um there's a number of notable names in it and it's not like people that aren't in movies anymore it's not like oh yeah I haven't seen anything from Melissa McCarthy in a while. It's like no, she still has like I know they're making a Spy Two, uh, she's had half- well that Rose Byrne
1: movie or the Rose Byrne yeah. she's been in lots and lots of things and I watched the Physical on uh, yeah Apple, on Apple and it's amazing I love it and it's it's just like theatrical grade movie like you're getting that benefit of like an eight episode arc yeah but it's it's the quality of a film and it's just that's the reality we're in now and it's really exciting like the lines are blurred
0: yeah it's all it's all very new and it's all very different because it's you know that you have these you know you used to have just these movie studios that were putting out movies and that was where the big money was but now there's these shifts there's there's movement in that whole community and it's like you know you might do you know a, a series on hulu and the payday is just as big as if you would have done, you know, this movie with this studio. So it's like, yeah, they're, they're, it's very curious to see where the direction of just entertainment in general will go. Cause I think, you know, I don't think any of it, I mean, we, uh, I always use the newspaper. It's like there's still, people still get a newspaper every morning. There's still paper boys delivering newspapers to people's houses. You know, they go and get the paper and they open it up and they sit in a chair and they read a physical newspaper. Now, there's nothing like holding like the thing, you know, I, I was commenting that the,
1: there's a new Batman '89 comic, and I'm not into comics at all, which is funny. It's like it's a weird blind spot for me. Like I just wasn't into them at all, and so I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go out to the comic store and I'm gonna buy Batman '89." And I could have just as easily gone to Comixology yep. and bought it that way, but I wanted to hold the comic. I wanted to feel yeah. it, smell it, turn the page physically. Like I just that still means a whole lot to me. So it, I love the idea that, that that you know, I I hope that bookstores like there's still a few of them out there, you know they're they're hanging on. I I think maybe, like you know, it's like they took the the worst of it and they'll build back up eventually.
0: Yeah. And so it's it's I mean because you know we we used to have blockbusters, and yeah. now we don't. Right. You know it used right. to be. You know, and it, to a degree, I mean, I think there's a portion of, of the generation now that misses that. I mean, you know, at least a little bit. I mean, not, I think it's the missing. We
1: romanticize it like yeah. that documentary, which is great. I love it. The last blockbuster is on Netflix. Yes. Highly recommend that. Uh, but, you know, there is a return to those good old days. Like, I, I crack up when I see, remember when CBS was doing the Sunday Night Movie again? Yeah. And it felt so novel to go to throw to a commercial break. Yeah. And I'll watch on the weekends on uh, Comedy Central, they'll have just like these blocks of, you know, shitty Adam Sandler movies that I love. <laughs> and the whole the whole thing of it is just movies with breaks. Yeah. It's fucking commercials, man. You used to hate that so much. Like yeah. you, you, you propped up a whole new industry in DVR solely to skip commercials and now it's a selling point is something oh it, like, you oh th- now i can i can watch the movie but i can take
0: bathroom breaks i'm like you still could do that before with yeah. the pause button it's it's <laughs> humans are funny in that way i mean it because i used to be like yeah. if when i was just, you know going flipping through the channels and come to a movie and you know it'd be like at the beginning of the movie you'd be like oh yeah and you start watching it and i'd get to the first commercial break and I'd be like, wait a minute, I own this movie, so I would get up, go get the DVD, <laughs> and I'd put it, I was like, I'm not watching any more commercials, i just watch this movie. But it is, it's like, there because the, the thing is, like, if you try it, if you said, ooh, you know what, these millennials, or these, who, whoever the population is that has this nostalgia for Blockbuster, you know what we should do is we should build a bunch of Blockbusters. Nobody's going to go right. on a Friday or Saturday, they're not going to get in their car and drive to a place when they can just flip on whatever and do it like we yeah, don't
1: don't don't build 8000 so that yeah. you can't sustain success because you have to keep building more and yeah. more and more and then it just collapses on itself do a hundred yeah you know pick the spots research like what what type of city would a blockbuster thrive in research it
0: well, and if, like in
1: Austin, Texas, probably would be a good spot. If we, you know, if we like a San Francisco
0: or something, probably
1: a good spot.
0: If we hadn't had the pandemic, the family video would not have gone away. I mean, that's what killed, that's what ultimately killed them was.
1: Yeah, that one, that one hurts so bad that, one, that we had that one last bastion of uh, a like, store. Okay, you could still go people somewhere. People would get a membership, your... right? And so I missed that. I When I heard they were, when they went out, I was like. Oh,
0: they God. hung in there too. And so it's. They really did. So
1: it, they, they tried really hard. But
0: I, I mean, and I, I, I've not, I've not looked at it. But it's like, you know, for for the longest time, you know, before Netflix really hit its stride, you had Redbox, and because Redbox was everywhere, and yeah. there was no person, there was, you know, you cut out so many of those elements of it it was like it was all just like find mm-hmm. a red box there's 4000 of them within a mile of you right. so it was like if you want, know. if you want to rent a movie go to the gas station go to McDonald's go to any number of places get the movie you want Co- is, i'm really surprised that took hold it just yeah. didn't seem like it seems like such a weird
1: concept but worked and worked so well
0: and i i'm curious to 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 know because they even have they have a streaming arm of their whole business model now so I, I'm curious to know how the machines, because I can't imagine there, I mean, you kind of have your initial cost and, and at some point, I mean, the business model hasn't changed tremendously. I'm sure prices have gone up since, I think it used to be a dollar and probably it's not like two or three dollars. Um, yeah. But it's one of those where it's like, all right, you know, if if you got people that are still using that, it's just the cost of whatever it was to obtain it and obtain the movies. But I, I can't imagine that you have as many people utilizing Redbox as they used to, so
1: there's just, there's so much. I think it's the social aspect, you know, like this, so much of the Blockbuster experience was just going into the store and being amongst other yeah. people like you. And, you know, you're going with your friends or your family, wh- whatever it is. Like it was a Blockbuster night, you know, you were, or any other video store you went to. You were spending some time in that store and it just felt good. So like maybe going into like a Redbox, you know, standing outside with the marquees and looking at everything is kind of like, similar. Yeah. So I could see people like enjoying that still maybe. I'll be I'll just be it's not convenient necessarily standing out in the rain or cold or
0: heat, whatever. It is
1: outdoors.
0: (laughs) That is the drawback. So it's it's interesting, I mean, to and again, like you said, I mean we both agree it's like I don't I don't know how HBO Max quantifies, you know, a profit margin for Warner Brothers on, you know, do they have a spike in subscriptions when a movie's coming out and they attribute that to the viewership. Right. So Warner brothers gets a cut of that or I, that's what makes the most sense. Yeah.
1: Right. If you see a spike in membership due to a movie coming out. It may not be anything like that. It may, maybe like we've been saying along, not quite as simple as all of that, but that seems like the, if you were going to put your finger on anything and you, you hazard a guess as to what it means, like I would say that's a good indicator. But who pays attention to that? I mean, are there reliable uh, sites that, that can record these things? I guess there are. Yeah. I'm sure there, there has to be some sort of um, integration with those numbers that anyone can get. Because it seems almost like subscribers itself is something that anyone can just go find. Doesn't it seem that way? I, I feel like there's ways that you can at any moment like find out
0: how many subscribers there are. Uh, yeah I think I think that has to be it has to be some somewhat public uh, or front yeah. facing to, to where if you wanted to know how many people subscribe to any particular subscription right. platform that you could find that out and so yeah so
1: there there might be websites where their whole deal is analyzing that data and you know now we have over a full year of that type of data yeah. to analyze we could start to see the bigger picture as exactly we move along uh yeah, I, it, who knows? It's exciting. It's wild. I'm digging it, and uh, the the good news is is we're we're getting qual- some quality content to enjoy. Like movies has it, it was just, it's been such a bad year, man. Such a lonely year for yeah. movie lovers, where I, I have to go back and find TV shows to, to binge to fill that void. <laughs> uh, but you know. That's not all bad either. Sometimes you just want to watch the entire run of Mr. Belvedere,
0: right? I always want to watch the entire run of Mr. Belvedere <laughs> because he's an amazing individual and changed my life dramatically. Right. We have
1: to uh, respect the time we should, of yeah.
0: our listeners and, and wrap this up. This isn't the um, Joe no, Rogan podcast for.
1: It's a cool two hour yes. episode where we, we talked a little bit about the Suicide Squad. We can't and be longer than the movie other itself. stuff. Well, we've we've been dying to do kind of like yes. a DCU roadmap type episode, like where they were, where they are, where they need to go, and we could still do that. But I think I think this has been an outlet for a lot of yeah. talk that we've been we've had a lot of we've really
0: been pent up some alleys here that were were well explored. Hmm. Good way to put it.
1: All right. Well, since I said all that, and the closing m- outro music has started. I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Uh, it's been my pleasure to serve you and be one of your co-hosts. Adam, you want to say anything on the way out? Um,
0: bird. Sweet. That's it. I just I love quoting it. King Shark, bird. <laughs> maybe,
1: Maybe stay off the comms. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.